Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Recorded live. So already we are. Deep into, I consider deep into draft season. Some people are talking about draft season having just started. <laughs> Amateurs. Um, but we have reached the part where things have started to get a little strange. Yeah. Um, joined by Demetrius himself, gentleman James Coburn. So rumors, innuendos. Um, soon your friend and mine, Anonymous Scout, will be making his rounds of the interwebs. Uh, let's we're starting to hear various little whispers and who isn't who did what and didn't do and won't do and you know who really doesn't love football as much as he should love football and I guess soon we'll be finding out if you know some GM wants to know if somebody's mother has ever turned tricks or whatever all that stuff is starting to happen Jim Uh, I don't know if you love or hate this part of it but I guess we'll find out Yeah. Oh yeah. Hello. <laughs> okay, there he is. I thought I lost you for a second there. I was saying we've reached. You know, some people say this is the beginning of draft season, and I, you know, like I said, I strenuously disagree. Uh, for me, we're basically at the halfway point of draft season. Draft in my season mind, starts but... in August. I mean, yes, exactly. <laughs> that's when it starts. I mean, I'm sorry if you were so busy watching NFL football that. You couldn't watch college football, but that's not when draft season starts. It starts. In, I mean, again, if 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 your job is is to cover football in general, I kind of get it, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Kind of, you know, because you're you're doing a bunch of stuff on NFL teams. You're supposedly doing analysis, you know, possibly. Um, so you're doing all that stuff and you're watching players on your team. Like, so like, yeah, you, you're not really paying attention to college football. If you're primarily a beat writer for an NFL team who kind of likes the draft, I get it, right? Oh, okay. Hey, oh, wow. College football. Wow. You just watched the national championship game and you're like kind of excited about college football. You're like asking questions now. Oh, and you know, maybe you're, the newspaper you write for is going to send you to the senior bowl or the combine or whatever. You're trying to sort of cram for the exam now. I kind of get that. Yeah. But, but yeah. you shouldn't be involved. At the very least, you should take it with a bit of, hey, guys, I don't really know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, Or basically like, <laughs> hey, I'm new to this, so Did don't. Did you guys show me around? Right. <laughs> hate me. I just got here, so, yeah. I mean, again, if you're prioritizing stuff, I mean, at least with me, I can do NFL, college football, pay at least paying attention to it. Obviously, college football is where I spend the bulk of my stuff because, uh, you know, really into the draft and stuff. But right. at the same time, you can manage both of those worlds 
relatively, you know, you just have to, you know, have time or at the very least manage your time well. They're not really managing yeah. their time to really worry about, you know, draft stuff until now. Now it's all draft, draft all the time, draft, 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 draft. And <laughs> unfortunately, you're really susceptible because you're kind of like, I'm not saying people are lazy, but a lot of people are lazy. So, like, you'll just go, <laughs> yes. all right, uh, t- who's good? And, oh, this guy's good, that guy's good. Oh, okay, all right, these guys are good. Uh, or you're talking to agents, and agents are like, well, my client here is good. My guy's my awesome. Here's good, <laughs> my guy's and he's a special thing. player, and he's one of the best players ever. And, oh, by the way, did you get a T-shirt and a hat? Yeah, did you get that yet? Oh, no, I didn't get my T-shirt and hat yet. Yeah, we got T-shirts and hats now from our agents. So you, so you get that, of course, Red Lobster gift cards and everything else. So, like, again, you have all this stuff that happens where – a lot of what people are saying is basically what they're hearing from other people. And as you know, it's a telephone game of this guy talks to this guy, this guy talks to that guy. And slowly but surely a player goes from being, Oh, he's okay. To player becoming, Oh, day two pick to player becoming first rounder to player might as well be a top five player based on the hype that happens. It just kind of snowballs into whatever. Uh, which is why you often right. will hear guys get hyped around this time of year. You know, Mitch. Hey, Leiner, look who's kind of one of those guys. Tom Savage, you know, stuff like that. Where <laughs> right. it's, it's like, it's just going to happen because people are going to have, one, they don't watch the film or they watch the film one time and then they pick this. And the other thing too, it, this is just something with me, is that when you watch a lot of film, you start to, you start to piece, okay, who's good and who's bad. You know, you start to go, okay, I've seen 100 linebackers. These are the 10 that stuck out just on a, you know, sort of, wow, look at that type of, you know, like they just pop off the tape. But if you don't watch a lot of, it, it's the same thing with like reviews of movies. A lot of people go see a movie and they go, oh, I love that movie. You know, I don't know what the critics are saying, but again, the critics see every movie. Oh, they see, exactly, they see every but like, they movie. They see so many movies that eventually... And they saw every movie last year, and they saw every movie the year before that, and the year exactly. before that, exactly. and the year before so, that. That's what they're bringing to it. So, like, when they're writing, like, oh, that's so cliche, I saw it a mile away, and you go, I didn't see that going, well, obviously you don't watch that many movies. Like, you just, you're not... You don't devote your – I mean, some people obviously are into movies. They see a lot of movies, but some people don't. So, like, that's the same thing where you you as a draft guy, if you watch every single player, you're going to be able to go, oh, yeah, I really like that guy, I really like that guy, versus a guy who comes in and go, everybody hates this guy. Why? I just saw his tape. He looked good. So, like, you're going to have a lot of that going on, you know, as well. But it's just part of the process. I, mean, I don't mind it. And besides that, you know, I kind of like new – fresh eyes to things as well because, you know, you, you need somebody challenging you, you know, which is what a lot of metrics right. happens because a lot of people have been like, oh, you know, what what's the point of metrics? And I'm like, well, it's supposed to challenge you. It's supposed to, you know, kind of go, well, you think that guy is going to be the greatest of all time? Well, what if he isn't? You know, like that's a lot of what it does. It, it, it pressures you, pushes you to, you know, get your projections right. And I, I think that right. that's 
what you should be doing. So if, if somebody comes out and goes, oh, yeah, I don't like this guy, and he was a top 10 pick or a top 20 pick at least a month ago, maybe you should see what his arguments are. And maybe you, you watched the wrong film, or maybe you only watched one game of a guy, and, and now you're realizing that. So there's lots of stuff like that that happens, you know, at this time of year. But, yeah, that's that's pretty much my view on this time, time of year. Well, here's the other thing, Jim. There's a lot of transitive property. Well, if this guy played well against this guy who goes to this school, he must be good because he beat the living daylights out of this guy who's at this big school, so he must be good because there's no bad players at big schools, right? Ergo, he beat a really good player. Ergo, he must be really, really good. And somehow, <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking about. You've seen the transitive property at work, right? Sure. I, for- I find it happens a lot. It, I mean, yeah, I mean, it happens a lot with, with people who, you know, if they really like a player and a player does really well against that player, they go, oh, wow, that guy did really well with, against that guy. He's my top tackle. So, obviously, he, it's like, you know, Derek Barnett does, he has a good day against Cam Robinson. And, I, again, I like Derek Barnett, but I don't necessarily think he's a top 10, top 15 pick, you know, like like some people. But if he whooped – the top OT over and over and over again, which if he, if you th- consider Cam Robson to be the top OT, then he did whoop him. Then you would go, wow, he should be a top 15 pick. I mean, Cam Robson, top 15 pick, and Derek Barnett whooped him, so he should be a top 15 pick. So That's what I'm talking about. Yes, the transitive property of scouting. Exactly. Yeah, which happens a lot. But I think you really just need to go into it going, okay, these are collegiate athletes going up against collegiate athletes. And you only will really know – like the crazy, like you only really know if you saw something good until hindsight, you know, like you're just never like you, you might go back and like, you know, like one good example is, you know, I went back and watched uh, a long time ago though, but I went back and watched San Diego State versus UOC and you get to see, you know, Marshall Falk versus Willie McGinnis. You don't really get to see that at that time. Obviously, you know, those were good players at the time, but you don't really get that hindsight of, you know, oh, wow, that's Willie McGinnis, and oh, that's Marshall Falk. You know, like you don't get that sort of thing unless you look back on um, that era. So there's a lot of that as well. I just don't really think And you then sometimes you'll catch that as part of your eye. Oh, look, there's a little a little bit of Junior Seau flashing over there in the corner. And, oh, yeah, is that yeah. Jason Seahorn? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, that's really more for that. I don't really think, you know, again, you should really just be evaluating the players based on, you know, what they what they show you, that they do on tape, you know, what they're doing technique-wise, if they're making mistakes, and just go from there, you know. Um, you should really be putting a ton of stock into a guy because they did really well against a top OT or, or a top guard or, you know, whatever, you know, or the top pass rusher, you know, stuff like that, which some people do, but... The, the biggest thing about these all-star games, again, is their practices, you know. Right. Um, and, again, I, as I say over and over and over again, these things are really just to get to know, you know, the players, you know, get to know who they are, their personality. And as a team, you go, all right, is this guy's personality going to fit with this team? Because, you know, there's tons of guys that we could think of that, just go from team to team to team. And sure, they're good players, but they just never really mesh because of whatever personality sort of issue they have. And some teams can deal with that, some teams can't. So it's a little bit of figuring that stuff out just 
for team chemistry and stuff like that because it is something a lot of teams care about. You know, they care about guys fitting in with, you know, their program um, and, you know, their team. And if guys have a personality that doesn't really mesh that well, then, you know, they don't really want those guys. Even if they may be good players, you know, they don't really have that personality that they, you know, are looking for at the very least. Let's see if I can figure out if we may have been joined by, let me see, is that Kent Lee Platt? Who who just joined us from the great state of Texas? Richard Ridgeway. Oh, it's, oh, actually, um, I believe you may have an update. Uh, obviously, not once now, but twice, people have doubted if they'd ever see uh, a, a very tough, obviously tough physically and probably an obviously tough mentally young man uh, play ever again. Uh, obviously, anytime someone has a, a serious neck injury, there's reason, obviously, to have doubt. And then after fighting his way back from that, uh, we've just obviously had to see, you know, a fairly serious knee injury. So I assume that, that you have a Seth Russell update for us? Absolutely. Absolutely. Always uh, a pleasure to have you. What 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 has happened since last we saw the young man? Uh, well, I pretty, pretty, much, game. pretty much see him every day for most of the time. But uh, uh, I'll tell you what, I I was on here. I'm going to probably have to call you back. <laughs> so I've got it. Not a problem. I'm going to have to take. thought I would have about 10 minutes, but uh, it looks okay. like I'm going to be cut short. I'll, everything going good. How's that for real quick? And I'll give you a shout out. That will do. Feel All free right. to, you know, to email me or call <laughs> me later or something, and Jim right, and I will go back Bill. to a regularly scheduled program. All right. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> take care. So that was an unexpected treat. Um, I have a few embeds, as those who know me well know, in and around various programs and various players. And every once in a while I get, you know, updates. Sometimes they're through back channels and it's sort of somewhat secretive and sometimes it's open and, you know, and, and public. So this would have been an open and public update. Uh, but I'm sure Mr. Richard will turn sometime in the near future and give us an update on, on how uh, young Seth Russell is, is fighting his way back from his second uh, possible career-ending injury. So getting back to practice, right? Practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game, not the game I would die for, but practice. Here I am supposed to be franchise player. We talk about practice. So, Jim, uh, what do you value when you're watching practice? Well, I mean, again, you, you value toughness, competitiveness, uh, you know, you're, you're just looking. And the other thing I would say is this, is for the most part, most of my evals are based on what I see on film, which is why usually I'd get a lot more out of the film of the practice than the actual game of the practice. Um, be, just because, you know, you, you're able to see that and go over there. If you actually go to, to a place in person because you don't have a lot of experience watching practices it's basically like this if you send anybody to a practice with collegiate players you're going to come away going wow that guy looked good that guy looked good that guy looked good that you know like you're, you're no matter what program you go to you're just going to be like wow these are you know crazy if it, if it were a blind taste test i could send you to a practice at mississippi valley state and people come back like wow number 78 is fantastic and so-and-so is amazing. And I don't see how blah, blah, blah won't be at least in the first 100 picks if exactly. they didn't know. If it were a blind exactly. taste test. If no one told them. 
exactly. So uh, basically, you know, again, not having a lot of experience kind of affects everything. But yeah, I mean, I just like to see guys see how they do, um, you know, get a good idea for how it works. Because again, your brain can only really pay attention to this stuff. So the benefit to watching film is you, you can stop it and then rewind it. It, it gives you all sorts of stuff with it. Uh, so when you're watching a game, you, you're going to miss things, you know, um, when you're there in person. Um, unless you are really good at managing, you know, what or, – or you have a goal in mind, like you specifically want to watch this position group or you want to watch this position group, um, you can really get a pinpoint and stuff. But for the most part, it's really just to see, you know, who's performing well, who's being competitive, um, you know, who's who's showing, you know, good effort and who's injured as well. I, that's another thing I usually like to, to, you know, at the very end of the practices, the guys that are the last of the field are the injured ones. You know, you can just see them, you know. So, uh, so if a guy didn't have any report at all about an injury, you can at least go, okay, that guy has a bad knee or that guy has a, you know, a bad back or a bad elbow. So, like, you can get a good idea of, of stuff that may come up as a red flag or a yellow flag or you know, any type of flag, really, um, which you never want to see because I've never seen a case of, like, a guy was injured at one of these events and you notice it and then they kept playing and then they actually had a major injury. But it has happened. I mean, there have been guys in the tournament field at these events uh, and stuff like that. But it's really just, was you know, it again, Colvin? Was it Colvin? Yeah, Aaron Colvin. A couple years ago, Victoria's? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, it's Colvin, yeah. Yeah, in a practice situation. Which is why everybody's like, right. see, this is why you don't go. See, see, yeah, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Uh, which is like, okay, I mean, you know, Aaron Colvin's career is okay, you know, the Jack. Um, but, like, I'm just saying, like, you know, there's there's things that you do get out of practice, just seeing them in person, seeing how they perform, Um and things that last of you, like Aaron Donald's performance, is something that probably is going to last me for a while. Yeah. Like Martin's right, yeah. performance. You know? No one will soon forget Aaron Donald and, and the show and he Zach, put on. Yeah, the show he should. And Zach Martin's performance. I mean, you know, it was one of the things where you could just hear the difference in how he punched the bag versus everybody else, you know, just in terms yep. of the amount of pop to it. So – yeah, and you have that as a reference, but obviously if you don't go to these things all the time, you don't have a ton of experience, you're really just going off of, you know, your own experiences. And if you're a guy who's only been doing this for three years, it's not that much. But at the very least, like I said, just go to the vets to get to know who they are, get to know who's competitive, their practice habits, injuries, um, and those other sort of things. So I think that's really the most you can get out of these events. Besides the other stuff of, Hey, let me go back and watch the tape of these guys and other sort, you know, that other sort of stuff. Because the fact of the matter is, I've never met anybody who went to one of these events before that actually saw everybody. Um, it just, <laughs> right. I've, I've never, I just haven't. I mean, even the guys who have, and there's excuse. I mean, it's not to say they're excuses, but like again, the Canadian guys, I was only able to get like highlights of those guys. <laughs> yeah, you know, and even the highlights. And, were and as I pointed out, even you're right, you know what I'm talking about. Even you're watching the highlights. You can't help but realize, I mean, I'm not trying to be mean or anything, but these guys have been rolled by a decent D2 program in America. I mean, rolled. Yeah. So, you know, you're bringing all this stuff with you. So, 
as always, I mean, a lot of a lot of the issues that start is you go to the All-Star game, you see a guy who performs really well, and then you go back and watch the tape with that in mind, which, again, is a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because, hey, I'm going to go back and watch this guy's tape. It's a bad thing because sometimes you will value what they do at practice versus what they did on tape, you know, which happens a lot more than you think, you know, in terms of players or, or the sort of excuse of, well, he got better as the week went on. Like, that's kind of a cliche thing. But, you know, that sort of sentiment. You're like, yeah, <coughs> excuse me. You know, they did get better as the week went on. But, you know, that I mean, the whole sort of like, well, NFL coaching will fix that. Like, you fall into that trap as well, you know, when you get into these sort of practice situations. Because tons of guys could have a really great week of practice. You know, it happens in the NFL all the time. I mean, I remember when um, – when the Arkansas, you know, uh, Tyler uh, Wilson, I think, you know, like oh, won, yes. won the first week of practice for the Raiders. And it's like, oh, I don't know, that Tyler Wilson, he tore it up in practice this week. But do you end up winning the job? Not, not really. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a difference between, you know, because, again, lots of guys could have one really great week of practice, but that doesn't make – a month of practice, uh, two months of practice, and even the games, which is what it all matters, you know. Um, so I would just say that that's the big thing, is some guys just have a great week of practice, man, you know, um, and that's really all it was at times. Yeah. I, there are certain things you can, as you pointed out, get out, get out, get out of watching and or listening even, as you pointed out. That was a really good way to put it. One of my favorite things to, to try to hear is when they have all of the uh, receivers, tight ends and receivers, and sometimes even DBs and linebackers go through you know, all their ball-catching drills. I like to close my eyes, get close as I can and close my eyes and listen to the difference of the guys as they're catching the football. And you know, people always use the term quiet hands. And it's, it's somewhat a literal term. They're when a guy has really, really great hands, really great ability to pluck the ball, it's very quiet. It's a little, almost like a Velcro-ish kind of sound, you know? And you can hear when a guy doesn't have that, and it's a very slappy ping, ping, ping sound, and you can you can tell that that's a guy that doesn't have that great ability to just sort of absorb the football, if, if you know what I mean. Um, when people talk about oh, yeah. the fight the football or whatever, it's you can sometimes see it, but you can really hear it when a guy has some some of that fight in in terms of um uh, in terms of that. Okay, so you're this year you're going to be at the Shrine Game, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Awesome, and obviously the great. We'll get to the Shrine and some of the other bowl games in a second. But the great topic of discussion of the last 36, 48, something like that, hours has been, one, um, Deshaun Watson has been declared eligible, first of all, to present the Senior Bowl, which is a fairly new development. There was, once again, I'm old enough to remember when Senior Bowl meant senior. And um, <laughs> by that, they meant people who had graduated by the time of the event or would graduate by um, yeah. May of, you know, this particular year. Yeah, but all these underclassmen quarterbacks are declaring, and 
we're running out of good quarterbacks, Bill. Like, we got to lower the standards, you know, because all the great quarterbacks are going to, you know, like that, that whole sort of – I mean, I get it, but it's kind of a reaction to the fact that some of the underclassmen are declaring, especially quarterbacks. I mean, we had – I think we had a retro sophomore quarterback, like, back-to-back – yeah, 2014 to 2015. We're going to have another Richard sophomore quarterback in this yep. class again. So, like, when that happens, it kind of drains your talent a little bit. You know, it kind of drains your talent pool, you know, to a certain extent. Um, so, like, I kind of get it. But at the same time, it, it, I mean, senior means senior, man, you know. And people often are a little surprised at how many – guys go to these events and actually get drafted fairly high if they perform well and actually become good players, you know, because there's something to be said for experience, man, you know. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I find that kind of interesting that they would do that with, with Watson. And it, it, will he agree or will he not? I don't know. But um, it would be really good if he did. Uh, I think it would really help him out because um, he just needs a little bit of push. I don't know why Scott's not like him. I don't know if it's something internal or not. I really don't think he has, like, major character problems. He does have some issues on tape, but, uh, you know, it's no different than a lot of guys in the past who had issues who still went really high, you know. So, uh, I don't know. It's just kind of odd to me that we kind of pick on Watson and not pick on other guys. Yep. You know, there's certainly a lot of, things that, and you said, there's certain things you can gain. A lot of things that you gain, as you said, have very little to do sometimes with, well, here's what I look for, actually. If a guy's being taught something different from what he knew how to do before, how quickly does he master it? That's my, one of my favorite things, actually, to look for. So I remember a couple of years ago at the NFLPA game, several of the defensive backs there had only played zone or it only played press man or things like that. It had never done off man or never done, you know, some other techniques. And I remember the Dixon twins um, were both being coached by Daryl Green and two things. One is, you know, Daryl Green's awesome. I mean, he's a terrific. I mean, I, I don't know why. Maybe, I don't know if maybe he doesn't want to coach in the NFL. I don't know, but I would try. I would certainly ask him very nicely if he considered coaching by defensive backs. Uh, he's, Extremely knowledgeable, obviously. So I watched him teach those guys literally in two two practices, really not even two whole practices, but within a couple of days of working with them, had them looking like they'd been doing it for years. So it was a testament both to their ability to learn but also his ability to teach. But that's one of my favorite things to look for. If a guy, you know, is relatively new to a certain thing, you know, whether it be they're making a change in the way a guy, you know, does something in terms of handling the football as a quarterback in terms of, you know, some guys have never done certain types of handoffs even. Like that's something people don't think about. So if you've been, in addition to the, you know, the pass drop part of playing in pistol almost all the time or gun and all the time, a lot of times you haven't done quote-unquote conventional handoffs. You might have done a fullback dive in your life from a conventional under center situation. So sometimes you'll see a quarterback being taught that, on Tuesday or whatever, you know, uh, before, you know, a Saturday all-star game. And you see how quickly, so like I said, some guys pick certain things up, you know, play action from under center and all of some of the things that you see guys get to do. Most quarterbacks nowadays, especially, you know, the way things happen now, 
often have some, even if they don't have it coached to them while they're in college or high school, a lot of them will get somebody, you know, whether it be some, you know, sort of designated quarterback trainer that their agent sets up or whatever. A lot of guys do work on some of those more quote-unquote conventional things, but very often they don't work on the running game part of it. So you get to see some of them working some of that out, you know, on on the spot. You see some receivers who have clearly not had a lot of experience fighting through being pressed. So I love I love watching that to see. I don't get as impressed by the whole and one mixtape uh, session that sometimes breaks out in the one on ones between DBs and wide receivers. And as I, I mentioned before, when people were getting all juiced up about watching uh, Braxton Miller, you know. Yeah. Right, right. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm a former defensive back, and you know I know for a fact if a guy if a guy does all that, you know, killer crossover, and you know all this other stuff, and ooh, look at this, and the quarterback really? either already throwing the ball to someone else or he's on the ground. <laughs> so go ahead, man. Yeah, you made me look bad, but you, you're never gonna get the ball. <laughs> uh, so yes, I you know I make note of certain things, and once again, maybe somewhat differently. And maybe it is because I'm, you know, as you said, old or whatever it is. But I, I certainly have a better sense of what things I want to find out. Everyone loves watching all the pit stuff, I and mean, that's not my area of strength. So I definitely pay attention to that because I'm, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I'm still trying to learn more about what goes on in terms of offensive, defensive line play stuff. But those are the things I look for. I do look for how quickly guys pick certain things up that are being taught to them, you know, apparently for the first time or close to the first time in their playing careers. I look for or listen for, you know, like I said, how the ball sounds, you know, as, you know, guys are, you know, are snatching it, you know, or plucking it or whatever. And then I guess the one other thing that, um, I really sort of, you know, it's like I said, I, I definitely look for or listen for or, look, yeah, look and listen, I guess, you know, like I said, with quarterbacks. Like what, what questions do they ask when they're being coached up on certain things, how quickly they pick up on certain things, and like I said, both run and, and pass game techniques that are different from what they're used to, how quickly they see the master, and those things I look for. And the other stuff's all fun. And I guess I'll ask you how you feel about the whole, you know, as our nation holds its breath uh, while the show wants to decide whether or not to accept his invitation to the Senior Bowl. How do you how do you feel about that? Uh, about the invitation being extended and putting him in this situation in the first place? And how do you feel about whatever he does or does not do in terms of attending? Well, I mean... I know they said he reached out to them about it, but I don't know. I need some little confirmation of that. I mean, because, like, if you reach out to them and you say, I'm thinking about it, and then you decide not to, uh, as you know, if, if you don't go to the Senior Bowl and you didn't really have a legit, or at least how they felt was a legit reason for not going, you get shamed into, you know, into not coming sort of thing. You know, scouts hate you. Uh, you know, Connor Cook didn't go to the Senior Bowl, and people are like, what? Or, or like, the best example was when Adrian McCarron didn't go to the Senior Bowl, and uh, there was, like... Mobile, no less, yeah, right. Yeah, 
it was kind of like, really, man? Like, you can't go to practice in Mobile? You're from there? And also there was a sort of, you know, who do you think you are type of mentality to it. At least, like, it, you didn't even really have to talk to scouts. Like, audibly, it was just sort of like a rah, 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 rah type of response to it, um, which was kind of like, today, you know, like, wow, you know, type of thing. Um, so, like, yeah, I just hope they don't really do that if he decides not to go. Because, again, he shouldn't be eligible anyway. <laughs> I mean, it was just sort of a special exception thing. Um, but, yeah, I if he does go, again, I don't – I mean, based on the quarterbacks that are at the Senior Bowl, C.J. Beathard, Chad Kelly, Davis Webb, Josh Jobs, Nathan Peterman, Chifu, and Seth Russell, and Antonio Pipkin, like, I don't think he's in a – like, in a seven-on-seven situation, I don't think any of those guys are really going to upstage him except for maybe Josh Dobbs, because, again, he did win the, um, yeah, you know. Manning Passing Academies. Yeah, Manning Passing Academies. Uh, so he might upstage him in that. Golf cart. Was it, was it when they were throwing at the targets on the golf carts? Is that the thing he won? Yeah, something like that. And I he probably was at the lead 11. Like, he's a camp guy. He does really well in those environments. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying, you hear people going, oh, the Josh Dobbs guy killing it in interviews and, he throws a pretty ball at practice. Wait, he is going to kill in an interview. The guy's a, I mean, I hate to I know, use the term, but genius. <laughs> I mean, essentially, that's pretty close to correct. He's got a major in something other than football. Yeah, yeah we've heard it. Uh, <laughs> he he's a genius, but none of that really translated in the football field. But um, It did not. You are correct. <laughs> not this year. He played better last year. But, like, again, I – it, it, there's nobody really that's going to like upstage him that much. So it really is up to him. So like, I, I, I'm, I'd actually be more worried about the trying game quarterbacks than the senior bowl quarterbacks. So I, I would say that if he does go, I don't think it would hurt him. I think it would help him. I mean, I've never seen a quarterback get hurt by going to the senior bowl. Um, they usually come out of it very well. Even if they don't perform that well, as we saw with a yep. little guy named Carson Wentz, you know, who had some issues, uh, you still come out pretty good. Even if you do struggle a, a decent bit, like Jimmy Garoppolo kind of struggled a bit at that senior bowl. Um, he still went second round. You know, they didn't hurt him, you know. So um, I just think uh, there's just a lot of that to it, at least to me, is that it doesn't hurt you to go to the senior bowl. And it can only really help you. Um, unless you're just that type of guy who doesn't interview well, you know, and you're not very good in these sort of situations. But I really don't think Watson would, would perform poorly in the, in that type of environment. Yeah, I I don't think – I mean, you rolled off that murderer's row quarterbacks, of course. I can't believe that that would be the thing he'd be worried about. Um, I don't know if he's worried about how he'll look when he's trying to play and – you know, more of a, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, first of all, I don't, I think it's kind of weird and a little bit, I don't, I don't want to say disingenuous, but they put him in this situation, as you said, sort of as a bailout kind of thing and to generate interest. I mean, I, I understand that. Hey, I've worked in sales and marketing several times in my life. I clearly understand that you're trying to get 
butts and seats, eyeballs on TV, and all of the above. You want to raise interest, and Deshaun Watson being there would accomplish that. Uh, there would clearly be more people, more attention, more everything good um, if you could get him to attend. And even if you don't get him to attend, there'll be more controversy, which kind of sort of still helps you. So I, I get the the net win for the Senior Bowl, and I get why Phil Savage, who, as he points out, thinks of his Senior Bowl process as being the 33rd team in the NFL, as he said in, I guess, literally every interview he's ever given, which is fine. I mean, being on message, I'm not mad about that either. But he thinks about, if I were indeed, you know, the 33rd NFL franchise, who would I want to have here? Well, yes, you'd want to have a guy who has a legitimate shot to be QB1, which is not true of any of the other quarterbacks who've been invited thus far. So I get that. I definitely get that. So there's, you know, it's like I said, sort of a conundrum. You have this organization that did one thing one way for so long and now is making changes. I mean, in the last couple of years, they, you know, obviously relaxed, you know, redshirt juniors became eligible, I don't know, either last year or year before last, I can't remember which one, just across the board, as long as, once again, they were on track to graduate. They graduated. And, you know, now we have a true junior for the first time in the event's entire history, obviously, who's being considered for an opportunity to participate. And I, I'm all for seeing good players play football. I, I, I love that. You know, that's kind of a thing for me, as you probably know. So I, 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 I'm torn to a certain extent. I would like to see Deshaun Watson come and do his thing. And he, I don't think anybody could ever doubt the young man's competitiveness if they've watched any of Deshaun Watson's career ever at high school, collegiate, any place. I mean, I'm sure when he was nine, his competitive drive was fairly obvious. I, I, don't, I don't see how you could legitimately qu- uh, question that, if you knew anything at all about, about him at all, even cur- on a cursory level. So that just smacks of almost like um, coercion. I mean, I don't know how well to put it, if somebody's going to legitimately, legitimately try to question that. And whatever he decides to do, I'm going to be fine. I mean, it's not going to move the needle for me in any direction. If he participates and tears it up, that'll be cool, but I'm not going to suddenly, you know, well, now I'm moving him above Kaiser and Mahomes or whatever. Or whatever. Uh, that's not going to happen. Or Trubisky or whoever it is that people might have ahead of him. And if he goes there and he's terrible, it's not going to, well, see, I knew it. He doesn't have the you know, all the stuff you need to be an NFL quarterback because he had some bad practices and didn't play well in an all-star game. And if he chooses not to participate, I'm not going to say, well, clearly he doesn't love football, you know? <laughs> you know? I, you know so for me, it, it would be about, you know, sort of a cool factor. Yes, the cool factor of the quarterback group at the senior bowl would go up by, I mean, Saul for X. Uh, it would go up considerably. So, yes, that part is, is undeniable. Uh, so obviously you will get a chance, as you said, to be in person at East West Shrine. And I think they're pretty 
close to complete, I believe, in terms of their their roster. Either they are completely complete or they will be very, very soon. When you have yeah, I mean they released the roster. Um Right. So yes, yeah, so they're set. yeah, I thought I remembered that. So they're set pretty much unless there's some late stuff. Right. Yeah, exactly. There might be a few late changes as there sometimes are. You know, some guys may pull out or whatever. But as of now, it looks like they're set. So give me a few that you are, you know, sort of your favorites or, or, or whether they're favorites or not, maybe you're most intrigued by or want to learn more about amongst the guys who have officially been accepted and set on the roster. Yeah. Um, in terms of guys, I want to know more about uh, Alec Togerson from mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. He's a quarterback I'm actually pretty interested in. Um, just based on the few tapes I've seen of him, guy's got talent. So uh, I just kind of want to see what goes on there. Um, Gonna kill, not so much. Nathan Peterman. <laughs> I don't know what the Nathan Peterman thing is all about. Um, I mean, I, I don't think he's a bad quarterback by any stretch of imagination. I just don't understand the sort of, like, oh, you know, this guy type of, I don't know. It just kind of came on late. But, yeah, he's probably another guy to get some interesting sort of stuff. Running back, I mean, hmm. Probably Elijah McGuire probably be the main guy I'd be most interested in. Joe Williams is, is, a, is a fun player to watch. Um, Interview-wise, I don't necessarily think I would ask him, like, why did you retire? <laughs> you know, something like that. Because <laughs> the response may be like, oh, I already said why, you know, because obviously I could find another interview with them answering that question. Um, and there's, you know, they already did stuff on that. So, like, it wouldn't really be that. I do like Joe Williams to a certain extent. At the same time, the guy retired from football. So, yeah, he's talented, but there's stuff there. Austin Carr is probably the most interesting guy I kind of want to, you know, yeah. talk to and stuff like that at, at the event. Um, you know, a guy's fairly intelligent, um, you know, is involved in a lot of stuff other than football, so which scouts hate, but that would be some guy I'd actually like to huh. know a little bit more about in terms of, you know, what he does and everything else like that. Um, in terms of tight ends, uh, Anthony Eclair from Laval University, he has kind of a uh, a fun sort of uh, uh, guns type of dance, I guess. I don't really know if it's a dance, but it's <laughs> you know he has sort of a uh, a victory sort of thing that he does, which is unique. I'll say that much. Um, everybody's. <laughs> You know, trying to steal things from other people, and his he does the sort of, you know, one arm gun kind of emoji sort of thing after catches and stuff. So I kind of like to get to know him. Plus, he's Canadian, so there might be some stuff related to that question wise <clears throat> in terms of what he does. Uh, Eric Saber from Drake is another guy I kind of like on film uh, to a certain extent. It's something I'd like to actually get to know a little bit more. Um, that tackle. Eric Magnuson is also pretty interesting. Eric Ostell was a was a late addition, but like I said, I, I'm happy that he's going to be at Eastwest Shrine because uh, he was yeah, probably, sort of probably amazing that Magnuson, Magnuson and Ostell aren't at the senior ball. I think that'll change. I'll say that much. Um, I mean, Ostell in particular is probably one of the more 
out of Ramchek and Ostel, those are two of the more technically sound guys in terms of hand usage at, at offensive line. So I, I, I find and they have it a very amount of bend as well. That's yeah. something I like is that they aren't they aren't stiffish as you as you're known for saying. Exactly. So I mean, they have a lot of stuff that they can they can do. To say the very least, there's a lot of offensive linemen I've seen in this class that just struggle with certain counter moves and different stuff like that. These guys don't. You can instantly see them dealing with them fairly easy. Um, and I just was very surprised that, which I think will change, like I said. Uh, but yeah, I'm very excited about Austell being added kind of late. Uh, Justin Senior has kind of a Kevin Panfile-ish sort of appeal to him, but I like him. You know, he's one of those sort of ZBS. ZBS in the sense of he can get from point A to point B extremely fast. Now, when he gets there, yep. it's 50-50, you know, in terms of what right. happens. He might be a he but, might be a five flat, maybe a little bit below five flat kind of guy. Exactly. But but it's good. I mean, there's lots of things about him that I like, uh, which I, I actually think are decent. So he's another one of those guys I'm actually pretty excited about going there. Danny Isadora at Miami is kind of a tough guard kind of guy that I think is pretty interesting as well. Um, Zach Johnson kind of looks like he has really high blood pressure, but hey, you know, <laughs> stuff there. I kind of want to see what happens. He just has a really red face, man. I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, so he's kind of like that. Chase Rollier from Wyoming is a really underrated center. I think he might yep. get some more buzz after stuff gets happening because he, he was one of the more, again, really good center class of Raw, Kyle Fuller, Tyler Orlovsky, Ethan Posick, and Chase are really good centers in terms of what they can do. Um, and also leaving the line of scrimmage. Like, they're not like these sort of – they're not Travis Frederick, I'll just say that much. You know, they can leave the line of scrimmage and do some things. <laughs> um, and I think that's kind of interesting. It opens up a lot of stuff offensively speaking is what I'm trying to say. When you have a center that can actually pull and move and, and, and get to the second level, which a lot of the centers in this class can do. Uh, so I, I kind of find that interesting. In terms of, like – the edge guys, I mean, Eric Ewan Price is there. I'm going to be really excited to see exactly how tall he is, exactly how big he is, <laughs> and also, you know, interviewing him with sort of like what, like what do teams actually want to do with you? We've seen guys like him a lot, and the NFL tends to turn these guys into fullbacks. So will that <laughs> happen again? I'm just saying, like, Will a guy who pretty much was as productive as Vic Beasley, who wins in kind of a similar way that Vic Beasley does, but is shorter and smaller, will this guy be turned into a fullback while Vic Beasley obviously didn't get turned into anything except for a linebacker, you know, which was he's not really even technically a linebacker. He's just a designated pass rusher. That's a rule, you know. But whatever. Like, he's the one guy I actually want to see how teams actually see see him as and also, you know, height and weight and stuff like that. Uh, the Youngstown State rushers are okay. I mean, I like Avery Moss a little bit more than Derek Rivers. Derek Rivers is kind of a one-trick pony at times in terms of right. what he brings to the table. But I think they're both interesting. At the same time, there's tons of guys like Randy Allen and a couple other guys that, you know, are just 
I don't know. Like, I think there's a little bit of uh, influence of a certain guy who likes cats, you know, who might be doing stuff. Um, but, yeah, uh, but yeah, those guys are kind of interesting uh, in terms of what they bring. Uh, Jimmy Gilbert was kind of a late ad from Colorado. He's also pretty intriguing. In terms of those, he didn't get some senior yeah. bowl type love too. He might, you know. Um, which reminds me, the one guy for the other tackle from USC, uh, not Zach Boehner, but uh, the guy opposite of of Boehner. Uh, what's his name? The white guy. Oh, the the white guy. Yeah, the white guy. Um, I do know you're Oh, Chad Wheeler. Yeah, yeah, yeah Wheeler. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, he's a Richard Sr. Not invited, at least didn't. Maybe he hasn't accepted it, but no Shrine game, no Senior Bowl. Where's Chad Wheeler? I don't know. He's MIA. All I know is Jimmy Gilbert is somebody that Chad Wheeler doesn't want to see ever again. That's all I was going to say. No. He's... I mean, the biggest thing with Gilbert... When I watched Gilbert on tape, I basically saw Randy Gregory, but, you know, yeah. not as long. But right. the thing is, if people criticize Jimmy Gilbert about size, where was that with Randy Gregory? Because apparently he only dropped in the second round because he smokes weed. If he hadn't smoked weed and had all that other problems, he probably would have been a top ten pick. Even though, you know, I'm just saying, like, the fact that all that stuff and still went second round, but, yeah. But Jimmy Gilbert is just very similar to Randy Gregory. He wins in similar ways. So, like, if you want a Randy Gregory who doesn't smoke the weed, at least I don't think so. He is in Colorado. And that's kind of questionable. <laughs> but I doubt it. I think he's a guy that I actually look at because he wins in similar ways. Like, is even his push-pull, you know, technique is, is pretty much almost dead on what Randy Gregory does. Like, that's pretty much what he does. It's like a go-to move. Um, the defensive tackles that are there, I'm going to just be honest with you, other than Trayvon Hester, I really don't like any of the defensive tackles um, at the event. And the one guy who was from what's that one university, West Georgia, I think, was the one. Maybe. I saw the film of him at West Georgia. Um, I have to say, I love the announcers of these things. They're probably <laughs> the most authentic announcers I've ever heard. Because you know a lot of announcers are very, you know, you hear them and you go, wow, they, they sound all the same, you know, generic southern, you know, right. guy. Uh, the announcers at the West Georgia game, pretty authentic. Like, they, they actually, like, uh, it was different, to say the least. But, yeah, um, the guy from West Georgia, and, again, no offense to the guy. Obviously, he's a, he's a football player, but he just didn't really do much on tape. His production at that level was really bad. And I'm starting to wonder, was it just because he was recruited by Tennessee? Is that why he's at this event? Because I'm just I, – I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's perplexing to me. Based on the tape I saw – and based on the uh, the actual um, factuals about other sort of stuff, like he he definitely is tall, but 
I don't know. It, it's just very frustrating that he actually got invited. But he's one of the guys that I actually didn't really like that much. But most of the defensive tackles that are there, I mean, I just – Joey Ivey is impressive, but he's always injured. I mean, that's kind of a theme with Florida guys for whatever reason is they have these really impressive performances, and then they have like a major knee injury, and then it's just kind of downhill from there. Um, but, yeah, Joey Ivey is kind of impressive, at least from some of the games I've seen. Uh, as an athlete, but definitely doesn't get a lot of playing time because of injury. But, yeah, I mean, because of that, linebacker-wise, the more I've seen Ben Gideon, the more I kind of actually like him a little bit more. Um, I think he's kind of a solid inside linebacker type. There's nothing really that special about him, but he does at least do inside linebacker things fairly well in terms of what you ask him to do. So he's kind of one of the guys that's actually kind of impressive. Calvin Munson from San Diego State is a guy that I, I like him. some more plug. Yeah, he's, you know, throwback kind of linebacker, but I like him. Maybe he ends up with Bill Belichick, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, but, yeah, because he kind of does a little bit of everything, Pat, you know, rushes the passer. Maybe he can replace Jimmy Collins. Like, he's not Jimmy Collins, but he could, you know, he could do some stuff there. Carol Phillips is going to be there as well. He's also a pretty impressive uh, <clears throat> player. I don't quite think he's a first rounder. I know there's been some of that going around, but I don't really think it's it's more of the again the transitive property, right, Bill? Dwayne Smoot mm-hmm. is yeah. talked about as a first rounder potential late first guy. Carol Phillips is better than Dwayne Smoot at least this year. So by the transitive property, Carol Phillips is a first rounder as well. <laughs> like that, that's just how that works. But yeah, I. I don't quite think he's that, but he is impressive in terms of what he does. Uh, Jayon Brown is probably one of the more impressive coverage linebackers. Like, he's kind of – that's kind of what he's really good at. He's not very good at dealing with offensive linemen in his face, shedding blocks. Uh, he, he also has some issues, you know, tackling as well, you know, depending on the size of the guy he's going up against. Uh, but for the most part, he does actually perform fairly well in pass coverage. He's better than Ruben Foster, I'll say that much. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's a guy that's actually kind of intriguing well, from that kind of standpoint. keep complimenting about Ruben Foster. He's an amazing coverage linebacker. I keep hearing that. Um, well, if you watch the USC game, <laughs> if you watch the USC game, he had one really good play in coverage. If that's the only game you see – <laughs> and he's amazing. If you watch every game of him, or at least four games of him, he's not really that great right. in coverage. So right. no, he's I'm, okay. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that when you read certain scouting reports, you would get the idea in your head that he was, you know, this hybrid mix between, you know, Ray Lewis and, uh, yeah, you know, young young Jack yeah. Ham or something. I mean, I haven't, I haven't gone again. I I don't normally like to go destroy people. And besides that, a lot of times when I try to, you know, bring stuff up, like this little tackle stuff, people go, well, what is that? Well, that doesn't matter, you know, just watch it. I'm like, okay. But, I mean, <laughs> nowhere near any of those guys in terms of solo tackle markets here. And don't bring up sort of he's on a good team because Ray Lewis is on a really good team. But, like, you know, there's just lots of stuff there. Well, Jack Ham at Penn State was on a pretty good team, too, Case I don't know. They if all you, were. I don't, I don't know how far it's, back you go, but... It's a bad argument regardless. It's a dumb argument. It's an argument that people always go, well, you need to adjust for that. No, I don't need to adjust for that. 
I, I'm doing what I'm doing. I have lots of stuff to back it up. I don't need to prove anything else to you other than you looking at the results and actually believing what I'm saying. Um, but for the most part, the things I like about Brown, though, is just that he does – if you want a pass coverage linebacker, he does those sort of things. He can play in coverage. He can get interceptions. He's really kind of a safety, really. I mean, size-wise as well. I, I would be very surprised if he comes in there at 230. I think he'll probably be closer to like 220 or 215. But if you need a coverage linebacker, you know, a guy that can – or nickel linebacker specifically, um, he can do all that stuff for you. Um, he's just a guy that I just haven't heard a ton of stuff about. You know, UCLA had kind of a down year. Everybody was – you know, smoking the Takers McKinley stuff um, and not really paying attention to anybody else there. Um, right. I'm just saying that I don't know why that happens, but it just seems to happen. Like Charles Harris at Missouri and nobody watches Arian Pinson. It's kind of a similar thing. You know, I think Brown brings some stuff to the table that if you're, if you need a coverage linebacker, he can do those sort of things, but there's isn't any buzz about him for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I like him. Kenneth, uh, <clears throat> Kenneth from Colorado, the linebacker there, he's also kind of impressive as sort of a day two, day three-ish kind of guy uh, at cornerback, which is the real thing, at least to me. I, I like most of the corners that are there. Uh, Pinson is probably my favorite overall because he's a very competitive player. He's a guy with decent ball skills. His size would probably be a big emphasis, you know, on him. Uh, you know, I don't really think he's five foot ten. He's probably five nine. But either way, he's a guy who plays very well for a guy his size, regardless. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of like him. Witherspoon from Colorado is also impressive. Ashton Lampkin was really impressive a couple years ago. I liked him more than Justin Gilbert when they were playing. Um, he kind of didn't really get much better from that time, but I still kind of like him. Uh, Brad Watson from Boy Forest has some interesting stuff. Channing Stribling is the length guy. So, I mean, he makes a lot of plays with his arm length. Um, he isn't the best tackler, 100%, but he does have that sort of stuff. He's actually the one guy that I think might rise a ton um, based on just physical stuff. Um, that's actually this event. So that, that'll be kind of interesting, interesting to see if he goes like to a higher place uh, because of that. Um, and also the the other guy cornerback wise, I kind of want to see is Jeremy Cut uh, uh, from Middle Tennessee State. Oh, Contreras, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's listed at six two one seventy. I do. I, he has kind of a jerk personality as a cornerback, which is something that <laughs> people like. People <laughs> like that, but I just I, I wonder how big he is. I wonder how tall he is. I don't really think he's six two. I don't even know. No, he's, he's 170 six pounds. Feet and seven, yeah, he's six feet and seven eighths. And he's over 170, but he's not way over 170. He's probably going to come in yeah. at like 177 or something. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff there that I, I'm just very skeptical, skeptical, yeah, about. I'm a skeptic about that. So, um, but yeah, he, he's a guy who gets a lot of, there's a lot of people going, oh, well, you know, you know, the safety from Minnesota State last year, I was a really big fan of. People are like, oh, well, believe me, this guy's good, too. He's not like him. You know, it's not No, comparable. no, no. I, I like oh. both players, but Kevin Bayard is special. <laughs> yeah, so it's just kind of like that. Um, safety-wise, I think this is a really strong safety group. 
at the shrine. Um, Fish uh, Smithson, I think, is a he's a really good ang- angle tackler. Um, if I was gonna make a joke, I might go, you know, do you, are you really good at fishing? And I can advance fish, but like he's really good at angle tackling. Um, he isn't the best at everything. I mean, there are definitely some things that are a little off, but I do kind of like him as kind of a clean-up safety kind of guy. He kind of does that fairly well. Uh, Demarius Travis is also pretty impressive uh, in terms of what he does as sort of a feisty kind of free safety kind of guy. Uh, Jordan Stearns is a safety with attitude. Like I said, he's, he's a guy that every time I've seen him play, he looks pissed off a lot. Um, and he brings that to the table. Uh, it's always great, but he definitely does that. Randall Goforth does some impressive things as well. Xavier Woods from Louisiana Tech is also pretty impressive in coverage. There's a, that's and, one of my guys. Yes, yeah. yes. Can we, can we spend a little time on him? Because it looks like people are some people are starting to discover him. Oh, well, I mean, he pretty much does everything you want. I mean, he's, he's a free yep. safety type. He can cover. He can... Uh, he has decent ball skills. Uh, he tackler, you know, play deep middle. He does that well. He does that as well. So like, the rest does everything that you want a free safety uh, to do um, in terms of what he what he does. So he's he's a good player, you know. Um, so the only reason kind of a late addition, right? So the only reason most people don't have him in their top five amongst safeties, or even top ten, I've noticed in some people, I'm going to guess is because they just haven't seen much of him. Well, he played at Louisiana Tech. So, yeah, I guess that would explain it. You know, he played Arkansas and played well against Arkansas. Yeah, um, played well against actually everybody, pretty much. Got a, got a pick against Austin Allen, who's some people's kind of crush um, kind of guy. But, uh, I mean, he's a good player. I don't know. People don't watch players, you know. I People don't watch certain teams. People don't have YouTube, apparently. Because I hear that a lot. Like, people go, oh, I can't find any tape on this guy. I'm like, what are you doing? You know how to Google? You know, like, there's tons of stuff everywhere of these guys. I mean, Draft Breakdown, I mean, Draft Breakdown, this is the only place to get film footage. You know, there's tons of places. And you can even make the cut-ups yourself if you, you know, just get a couple things here and there. Uh, if you really want to do that. Yeah, so, like, there's lots of stuff to – there's lots of resources. I mean, we live in the, you know, the 21st century, you know. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> there's lots true. of stuff available to get stuff. So, I'm just saying. But, yeah, he he's a good player. And there is draft breakdown film on him. So, there, that really is an excuse. I just think, again, people don't watch um, every player, you know. They just watch certain players. Jamal Adams. They watch five players. They watch Jamal Adams. They watch Jabril Peppers. They watch <laughs> another game of Jamal Adams. They watch. Uh, and then they Lee watch Cooker. a couple of corners who struggle in coverage, and they assume that they well, can play safety. They watch the highlights. They watch Malik Cooker's highlights, and then they also watch Jabril Peppers' highlight tape. So again, it's it's three games and then two highlight tapes. Um, so. Yeah, so I, I, that's just the impression I get from Twitter. But yeah, uh, but yeah Xavier Woods is good. Tedrick Thompson's also a fairly impressive player as well. Oh my gosh. Like, like if you could get Tedrick Thompson and 
Xavier Woods, you've probably fixed your problem, at least part of your problem in your secondary on a bunch of teams. I know I keep railing about this, but safety play in the NFL is not good as a whole right now. Jim no, Gilbert. it's not. <laughs> but, but again, like we just said, Kedrick Thompson is your strong safety. David Wood is your free safety. No more problems at the safety spot. So, you know, so, you know, so I think that kind of fixes it. And, again, there's a lot of guys that, uh, I mean, Ryan Stewart, I like ball skill stuff a little bit. Um, he does some other – I mean, there are some things he's impressive at. He's not the best in coverage. He's more, you know, kind of a edge safety kind of guy or force safety TV. But he does do some things that are fairly impressive. Some of the other guys, though, like Delano Hill and Demonte Thomas, um, I mean, I like Delano Hill more than, than Thomas, but I really don't – I mean, Thomas in particular, I didn't really understand the invite other than the fact he played in Michigan. You know, because Hill at least <laughs> Hill, – Hill at least does some things well. He's not the most impressive athlete, but he does look like a smart player um, who kind of feels things around, you know, takes decent angles. Um, Demonte Thomas kind of has a deer in the headlights kind of safety play you know, type of stuff, which I don't always like. Uh, but, yeah, he's he also one of the guys that is invited that I'm like, mm, I don't know. You know, Jamal Carter as well from Miami. There's another one going, well, I don't know what's going on here, you know, this guy. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think the safety is pretty strong. Um, I think safety – I think defensive back is strong, uh, wide receiver strong, and – Quarterback, actually, I think is pretty strong. I think those are kind of the strongest positions that we're trying, at least right now, um, looking at all the guys. Okay. Got it. Uh, I don't know how much you look at any of the sort of I don't know, next tier or whatever term you want to use, you know, where the NFLPA and Gridiron, College Gridiron Showcase and FCS Senior Scout Bowl, uh, if that's still a thing, and uh, HBCU Spirit Bowl and uh, the, uh, what's the other one I'm thinking of? The, uh, um, there's another one. There's another one uh, that I'm forgetting. Usually, you know, I look for specific players from those guys that I've already been following. And every once in a while, I'll find a guy. That, I mean, you know, I watch more people probably than most. But, hey, I miss guys. There's guys that I'll find, you know, late in the game. And then I'll have to go back and, well, now I've got to go find, you know, actually with the Canadian kids, you know, I mean, as you said before, I mean, you're always playing catch up with those. And so like I said, it was funny to me, you know. I mean, not funny as in like laughing, but just, you know, it was, Jarring, I guess, it, because it's similar to when we were watching tape of um, um, oh my gosh, uh, tackle guard conversion from um, uh, Division Three a couple of years oh with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, oh my gosh, I can Marpet. Uh, yeah, it's almost like the Marpet situation where you 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 saw how impressive he was, but you had to remind yourself that you know. Well, he school. picked up the uplifting. 
right, exactly. It's picking up a ballistic linebacker who weighs literally 202 pounds. You know, um, so you could pick him up, literally pick him up. You know, you could pick him up, pick him up and carry him. Yeah. Uh, you, I mean, you know, he, right? was, you know, he definitely was. Um, I mean, he definitely was projection. I mean, the one thing I'll say about him is, is he's not the one of those guys where the Senior Bowl, because yeah, he went to the Senior Bowl, helps enormously out helpful. Yeah. Enormously, because at the very least, you know, he was playing like all these guys that are like, you know insurance salesman, like you said, you know, stuff like that. Uh, guys that are going to work at Reebok, you know, in their future. Um, so like, you know, there's lots of stuff like that, that was happening. Uh, well, managers of Reebok again, because you know, you would hopefully they get an education. Uh, but yeah, so, uh-huh. you know, he's going up against all these guys and, but he goes to the senior bowl, performs really well, competitive, goes to, you know, the combine and was really, again, really impressive in terms of athleticism sort of stuff. And had his struggles, you know, had his struggles uh, in terms of pass pro. But eventually grew into the role, you know, know, all that other kind of stuff. But, like, again, yeah, I think that's another reason why these sort of events are good is because the guy really doesn't play any – he literally doesn't play anybody because you've seen the tape. So you at least (laughs) want to see them go up against (laughs) a a guy that – is more closer to what other people go up against, you know. So even though they're not the best collegiate athletes ever, at least some of them are, some of them are. At the very least, you get a good gauge of like these are Division One athletes, and this is how well he's doing against these types of guys. At the very, at the very least, that's what you can, um, you know, conclude a bit with a guy like him. But yeah, he was, you know, a good case of a guy that you needed a little bit more. You know, you needed some more stuff to kind of verify certain things. Um, about him, and you know, it pretty much did, at least to me. Right. Yeah, that is that is a concern, if not the concern. I mean, people always talk about you know, people are more than willing to project with guys from Alabama who you know have never shown they can do something, but people buy in; they can do it. Yeah, I don't get that. Right. <laughs> you know I, I know, I get the the argument basically is that they played in a very talented school with so much depth that the backups could be started at other programs. I'm not denying that, but at the same time, sometimes a guy isn't a starter because he isn't a starter, you know, like right. he didn't win the job. Um, and there is something to be said of getting experience as a starter, you know, versus not getting experience of being on the bench. Uh, so, I mean, there's just all these sort of things that factor into things. So as much as, yeah, there's occasional instances, Matt Castle's probably the best example um, of a quarterback that was basically a backup his entire collegiate career and then ends up having a, you know, a season with Belichick and then goes to Kansas City and gets paid a lot of money. And, you know, but yeah, so like there's, there's examples like that, but for most of the positions, it's not really like that. It doesn't happen that often. Um, it's just very uncommon for that to happen. And yet they keep doing it every single year. You keep Dalvin Thompson is probably another one of those guys that people are going to be, I just know he's going to go to the senior bowl. He's going to do well in the one-on-ones. And then he's going to be, oh, day two pick. Yeah, late first rounder. Played at Alabama. It's impressive. <laughs> but, like, barely started. I mean, you know, didn't barely had much of impact at all, you know. Um, he right. does certain things well, but he's not 
like a starter. He's not a guy you invest that high of a pick in, is all I'm trying right. to say. Um, well, you so, can, but you will probably yeah. regret it. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. I mean, you're going to have the sort of Carol Phillips, well, not Carol Phillips, but uh, Jordan Phillips sort of, you know, hangover kind of thing, where you have you have high highs and a lot of lows, you know, depressing lows at times um, with a guy like that. So that's just what you have to deal with. I mean, you know, some players are like that. You know, you have like a really high high, and then you some of them you have a really high high with like a really, really depressing low. And there's just guys that are like that that could have a really good week, uh, but they don't really fit into that. But yeah, at the, at the NFLPA, um, I do pay attention to it. A lot of times I'm surprised at the names that are there. Um, you know, again, because usually if somebody's going to the NFLPA Bowl, they're going to be a priority free agent. Like, they're not going to get drafted very high, you know, because every year it just seems like that. There's guys who go there who perform well, and then no, 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 not much interest at all when the draft actually comes around, other than being priority free agents uh, and that sort of uh, thing. But, I mean, yeah, Greg Ward's there at quarterback. Um, I was fairly impressed with him. I don't understand the hate for him or that he should move back to wide receiver because I didn't really think he was that great of a wide receiver. And I don't really think he's going to be a well, tremendous I mean, athlete. And we're kind of the, you know, even though Boyd's a little bit bigger, but they're kind of the same story. I mean, they played wide receiver and they didn't embarrass themselves. Yeah. But if you saw, you know, a future NFL starter, you were seeing something I didn't see. Exactly. But, Greg Ward legitimately, if he goes to a West Coast team, you got a guy that you can at least do some stuff with um, in terms of that sort of system. Like he could be the backup for Russell Wilson, for example. You know, like there's lots of things you could do. Or the backup for RG3 even. I mean, that, that's really the most similar um, sort of uh, – obviously he's not as athletic as RG3, but like similar in terms of size and frame and stuff like that, which is what everybody worries about. Um but, I mean, he does a lot of the things in a West Coast offense uh, that works well and can make th- certain throws that guys can't consistently do, um, some of the throws they can make. Um, so, like, I don't know, there's lots of stuff there that I like. Uh, Smoke, uh, you know, from Virginia. Myzel, uh, yes. Yeah, is that the Taekwon. NFLPA, and I don't get it. You know, I don't understand. I mean, he's. <laughs> He's a very productive player, but which who knows? He may get invited to the Shrine. There's still, I think the later additions for the Senior Bowl will be running back because they only have like five guys so far. But I'm very surprised that that he's not there. TJ Logan is also a pretty fun running back that is at NFLPA, which I think he should be at a Shrine game or a Senior Bowl. Kalfani Muhammad, kind of same difference, especially with Muhammad because even though he is, he hasn't really gotten to that tier of being like a true bell cow guy. And to be honest, he's just a, a big tease at Cal because yeah. he's kind of like, <laughs> he's kind of like this guy that they just bring out all like they, they put in like this power back and then like nothing happens. And then they put in another guy and he gets like three, four yards and maybe he has one good run here. And then they put Cal Funding Muhammad in, and then you have 25-yard, 30-yard, or 40-yard, or 50-yard, or 60-yard at times. Like, he's like this little secret weapon, you know, they just kind of pull out 
you know, when things go wrong, they're like, ah, poor Muhammad. Well, Al, you, you know, know the, the low mileage, the low mileage fans will love, will love him though. They'll point out how few touches yeah. he had, how awesome that is, and all that stuff. But I mean, I do like him. I I, I do understand the 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 concern um, at, uh, definitely, but at the same time, there is some value to having that sort of you know third third running back on your team that you can kind of pull out, like throw the you know throw the Muhammad grenade, right? You know, just pull it out in the third quarter, fourth quarter, and then you have like a thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, you know, seventy yard play. Because he can yeah, do this, that legitimately. This, he was a right. I mean, he's not. He's not even as big as Jamal Charles, which you know people always sort of whine about Jamal Charles's frame as well, or did at the time he was coming out. So there'll be a lot of you know that, like, well, he's only you know five ten and change or five eleven. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he he, yeah. Barely, he may not be two hundred pounds, hundred ninety something probably. But as you just pointed out, really catching the ball, he's well. The guy was a California state champ in the exactly. hundred, so yeah, he runs really fast. That's... He can catch the football. I mean, he does all the things you want a third down back to do. Um, you know, in terms of you know catching the football, pass protection is a little iffy, but again, he doesn't get too many opportunities because he's he's running routes usually, or at least doing it like a swing route or something like that. So. Carely pass protecting you doing that, um, but yeah, I mean he pretty much does all those other things. Um, I just didn't understand why Cal never really utilized him, you know, as much as they should have. I mean, I, and again, I, I don't have anything against Trey Watson or any of these other sort of guys, but he's just odd that you have a guy who legitimately gets these really big chunk yard plays like game-changing sort of, you know, at least field position-wise type of plays, and you, you only use that guy like one-third of the time, you know, um, which is just kind of, you know, sad. But, yeah, he's he's one of the guys that I, I – at the NFLPA that I think should be at the Shrine, should be at, you know, maybe not the Senior Bowl 100%, but definitely at the Shrine game uh, in terms of what he does. The wide receivers at the NFLPA are okay. Dontre Wilson from Ohio State is a guy that I think I saw one game on him. He caught like two passes, and that was it. <laughs> so, like, it's, well, that sounds like exciting. I just say it's like one of those guys where you're like, okay, okay, there's one. I got a hitch. Okay, and a slant, and that's it. That's it, folks. <laughs> so, he's, he's, again, he's one of those guys where, like, Ohio State's so good that the third guy must be a starter at another program. You know, like, eh, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about that. Uh, but, yeah, he's kind of like that. Robert Davis at Georgia State. The game I saw of him, he had trouble catching the ball, man. I to be honest, um, ton, like a ton of drops. A lot of them were uh, more um, kind of focus drops, really. A lot of them, but he just had a. I think it was like four or five in one game. It was a lot for. He was like one of the wide receivers I saw the most drops in terms of the game I saw of him. Um, he does have some decent size. 
But uh, that was that was just one thing I saw that was kind of like yeah, about Keon Hatcher's also from Arkansas. He's another guy that has some size sort of stuff. There's kind of an average average kind of receiver. R.J. Shelton is uh, really really slow, man. Um, he does. I mean, he's a tough guy. Um, yeah, yeah. He is competitive. He, but not really. Doesn't really. There's not a lot of juice to his caboose, say the least. So there's just some stuff there. Uh, and the other guys, like Kendrick Bourne from Eastern Washington, Chad Williams from Grand Lake State. I didn't actually. I have not seen those players. Um, so that's kind of from that perspective. Uh, Nate EC from UCLA is a wide receiver. I know he's listed as a tight end, but he doesn't look that big. <laughs> so, well, that's, a, that's a distinction without a difference nowadays, it seems, Jim. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, that's he's about the size of a tight end playing like the '60s. So, like, it's like it's I know, not, I know, it's not the same as you know. It's just different. <laughs> same thing with Ethan Carter, man. And and again, I Ethan Carter does some things that are interesting. He at the very least knows how to do sprint manipulation, but he also has been injured a lot and banged up a lot. A lot of of stuff Um, in terms of stuff like that. Um, Offensive tackle-wise, haven't really seen a lot of those guys. To be honest. In fact, offensive line-wise with NFOPA, hmm, a lot of guys I have not actually seen because a lot of them are small school. So um, that's kind of like that. Dn kind of similar situation. I've seen Samson Ebu King from Eastern Washington. He's kind of a he has some size things that are kind of interesting in terms of what he can bring to the table. Uh, the the bear trap nose tackle from UCLA is there, and uh, Eli uh, Ancoy. So he's he's there. Bear trap nose tackle. So. Yeah, um, that is one of my favorite of your Jimisms. Uh, and that's what he is. He's 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 a sort of you know he's a camper. You know, like that's what he is. He camps in one spot, and then if something comes his way, boom, it's gotcha. Uh, but <laughs> gotcha. if you don't come his way, he's not going to get very many points. Uh, yeah, he's <laughs> kind of like that, man. Linebackers, I'm actually more impressive. Like I, Nick Usher from UTEP is is kind of interesting. Hardy Nickerson from Illinois is there. Oh yes, Hardy Nickerson, which is surprising to me. I mean, because I would think he'd be at the shrine. Because um, Raquan McMillan and Hardy Nickerson, not that much of a difference based on film. Um, they they, they definitely oh, are super duper athletes, but. It is kind of surprising. And Tylo Tulele is in the PA as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, that's surprising. Mm, what's going to happen to you, Mr. Tylo Tulele? All Mountain West Conference linebacker. NFL doesn't care about because, yeah. Hmm. Oh, Breon Borders is there from Duke. NFLPA. You know, you know, you know, he's on my um, all underappreciated team. Kind of a fan. Now, yep. what did you what did you think of him? 
I I mean, I think he's a smart player. Uh, I just wasn't as impressed with athleticism a bit. At least I I think he worked a little bit oh, better. Oh no, no, he's 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 a, like a four five eight guy. No, I I mean he's been playing that super quick. On top of that, he's a cover right. two corner. I mean, he's aggressive. <laughs> he's probably going to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, and probably. so that probably <laughs> what's going to happen. Um, and I think he's going to be a good number three, number four guy. PFS probably going to so, get a really good grade, even though he plays put on the pasture again. What I can tell you is that he will only play like 15% of the snaps, 10% of the snaps, and PFF will make him like their 10th or 12th or 15th best cornerback, even though he only played 10% of the snaps. That's what I can't Because PFF really likes that guy. And again, I'm not taking anything away from him. Um, I just think that I'm a little iffy on uh, in terms of like a full-time cornerback. But I do think he's a smart player. I do think he knows what he's doing in zone. Um, I just have those sort of uh, concerns, I guess, in terms of uh, what he does. Uh, Ryan Lewis, also from Pittsburgh, is there, who I was I'm not super-duper impressed with, but he does do some things well. And again, it's similar to like a zone sort of uh, situation. Darian Malines from SMU is a force safety guy that I think is decent. I think he does a lot of the things that you want from a box safety uh, and also gives some ball skill too. There's some ball skill to him as well. Uh, he, he, people may not like him because of height, which this is a big thing with me, Bill, is people like, okay, height at cornerback is kind of a thing, sort of, although I do think there's a little bit too much of an emphasis based on the era that we're in right now. But at safety, there's, like, no correlation to quality at height, and yet everybody makes a big deal about a safety being 5'11", when that actually is kind of more of an advantage because you can move better, you know? Like, the best safeties in the NFL right now aren't these six foot four battle tank Safety, no, you know, no. Steve Atwater's not walking through that door, Jim Cooper. <laughs> exactly, exactly. David so Fulcher is not about to walk through that door. And even Landon Collins, who is a pretty impressive guy, isn't like six foot two or six foot three. You know, he's more six foot one, six foot ish. So, like this whole right. sort of obsession with height at quarterback doesn't translate to safety, and yet we get so upset over a safety being five eleven. We get so upset over them being five foot thin or six foot even, and there's like nothing to back it up. Like there's there's nothing there to say. Oh well, height is such a big deal with safety. Cornerback, there is some stuff there. I'll give you cornerback if you really want it. I'll give you it. Fine, you know, having thirty one inch, thirty two inch arms at the very least, it makes sense at cornerback. You got more reach. You got more kind of basketball-y to a certain extent because when the ball's in the air, you know, that's sort of thing. But at safety, totally different sort of thing. You want a guy that can move. You want a guy that's really intelligent. Like, those are things you should really be looking for. And that's the only thing I'll say about Malines is is he may come there and and be like 5'11 or 5'10 and people will look down on that when in reality there really isn't any reason to look down upon that. Like, it's it, there's just nothing there to back up that sort of assertion that you have to be six foot four to be a great safety when there is no great safety in the NFL at six foot four. Like there just isn't 
Or well, even it should be put up. The tallest, the tallest safeties have, and we'll see what happens. Obviously, with guys like Josh Hardy Clemens, I guess, is a linebacker. But uh, look at the tallest safeties ever. Remember Pat Watkins from Florida State, who measured in like six four and seven eighths or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Cowboys, you know, snagged him and. He contributed a little bit on special teams, and, you know, he played a little bit on defense, but he just couldn't change directions. I mean, at some point, you have to... Or Taylor Mays. Yeah, right. Well, Taylor Mays, right, a slightly more... Well, I, I mean, slightly more successful in that he hung around the league longer than Pat Watkins did, but, yeah, didn't become a superstar, obviously, uh, or even a full-time starter. Uh, any point in his career, right? I mean, six four six five safeties have had l- very little success. Atwater was six foot three, you know, and obviously played in a, a different era and played a different way. But Fulcher was a giant, you know. He was a legit six three and two thirty eight early in his career, and towards the end of his career, probably in the two fifties. But uh, you mean that it's just a, what is factual, like what we can state is that there have been precious few six four, six five safeties that have had any kind of career success at the NFL level. So I mean there's a point of diminishing returns obviously when it comes to height. At some point yeah. there's a Every such thing as being too tall. Right. There's right. too tall, there's too short, you know. Um every position sure. short. Uh but at the same time, I don't understand. And maybe it's just that it's it's a misreading of, you know, well, if tall corners are the thing, then tall safeties are the thing. When it's not, they're completely different. Oh, good God! Yeah. The transfer of properties made its way to just to position evaluation. It seems as it seems whole, to uh, have happened. I mean, because it just happens, man. I don't know what to tell you. I mean. One, people don't know what the thresholds are. People don't know what average arm length is at every position. They really don't. If you were to randomly ask people what random arm length is or random or, or, or average height at any position to anybody, then most of them are going to be wrong, you know, um, about what they think average height and average arm length and everything else like that is. I mean, when I was doing a thing for um, – for the guy for the scouting academy, he was surprised at the average height of linebacker. You know, um, he thought it was like six foot three was the average height of linebacker. No. It's actually six foot one um, and six foot, depending on, you know, if you're talking about uh, four or three outside linebackers. So I, I'm just saying people really don't know what these things are. And yet they put so much emphasis into that. Cause again, that's the main thing that, it's almost like I wish I didn't know these things because if I didn't know these things, I might be happier <laughs> when people make mistakes and, and you know, and, and just argue about stuff uh, that really doesn't matter because it's really she don't know. So you're just arguing and you don't understand anything. So you're just arguing to argue and some people like to do that, but I just like to argue about things that are right, factual, you know, um, before getting into a debate about, something that isn't, you know, it's like arguing, you know, with the, as, again, I always use the analogy of like arguing that, well, the earth is flat. No, it's round. It's some of these, argue, some of the arguments we get into are basically that one of you is right. 
the other one isn't, but it just happens all the time. Well, the Earth is flat. Obviously, it's flat. Just look. It's flat. It's like, well, all this data I got says the Earth is round. You know, like it's, I don't know. But, yeah, that's the only thing I'll say is that's the only thing about this time of year that does get frustrating is just how much um, lack of awareness there is with everything in regards to height, weight, arm length, hand size, you name it, man. It just just throw your brain out the window at times. Um, and it doesn't help that scouts – and, again, scouts are – going off of mandates from teams. So teams may be looking for guys that have certain arm length and have thresholds with certain players who have really long arms and stuff like that. But that's the teams. That's not what the data says. That's just what the team preference is. It's like a guy going, oh, I really like blonde, so go find every blonde woman out there. Like, it's – that doesn't mean that blonde women are better than brunette women. Like, it's it's – it just that's your preference. That's what you like. And that's the one thing I'll say is there's too much of that going on as well, where again, scouts are looking for what the team preference is, but the team preference isn't the end all be all. Like just because a team thinks that blonde women are better than brunette women doesn't mean that blonde women are better than brunette women. So there's a lot of stuff like that that kinda happens as well, uh, unfortunately. But, yeah, I, I, that's only I'll say about my lines is I just think there are going to be people who knock him for heights, but I don't really think that should be a knock to begin with. I think the knock should be more so with some of his athletic ability and, you know, stuff like that, uh, more so than anything else. Right. Um, looking at... Uh, the state of early declarations. And as you pointed out, we've already seen some records, uh, records to me that are not necessarily good or or happy records, but uh, the, the real, I mean, we get, we're getting a, a large, large number every, every year, but the, the uptick in redshirt sophomores, I mean, obviously there had been only a handful in the history of the game until just a couple years ago. I mean, it was big news, big news when Mike Vick declared. Big news. The Virginia Tech people were shocked. They were, you know, they were thinking that they were going to have at least one more year with Mike Vick and, you know, do big things and play in, you know, Orange Bowls or Sugar Bowls or Cotton Bowls, some, one of the nice ones, you know, one of the, one of the big ones. Again, the next year with, you know, a – quantum singularity lining up under center. And so, you know, he got grades back that told him, you know, you're going to go in the first round and you're going to go pretty early. And he was like, oh, all right then. Uh, Really enjoyed my time here in Blacksburg, but uh, see ya. And, you know, Tommy Maddox, of course, was another one of the very early uh, soft, you know, Russian sophomore declarees that uh, has uh, quarterbacks, and then a handful of others at running back and a few other positions. And you have sort of the strange cases of Mike Williams, USC, uh, and of course uh, with him joining him in the uh, attempts to 
break through and declare as true sophomores, uh, joining him in that with Maurice Claret. And so they were prevented from entering the draft in their sophomore years and spent one year doing whatevs. And, uh, you know, William came back 246 pounds, if memory serves me correctly, when he showed up uh, at the combine, his, uh, what would have been his junior year. And Claret had other issues, obviously, but, you know, both guys, obviously. I mean, I don't know what to call them even. Uh, they didn't go to school at all <laughs> that last year. So academically, they were still sophomores. And in terms of college eligibility, hmm. yeah, they guess, yeah, they were sophomores. I mean, they, they just sat out. Yes, they so those, hanged out. those pro sit out a year people. So how's that worked out thus far? But uh but yes, that was uh that was their story. But yes, I mean generally guys who that I mean people always talk about youth and you know how young a guy is and that's cool and everything. Uh he said it's a good way to find prodigies. But inexperience is one of those well, things that Yeah, go ahead. Again, they're there's a fundamental issue on draft Twitter in general, which is simply this age is not talent. You know, just because you're 20 years old doesn't mean you have talent. You know, it just, it doesn't like you could be 21 years old and starting on a college team, but that doesn't mean that you're really talented. Um, I just think there's, Again, prodigies, yeah, that's one thing. But you have to understand, these players were dominant players at a young age. You know, like dominant, like different. Like they were at the level of most senior people. You know, most guys that are turning 23 years old, they were performing at that level at 20, 21 years old. That's different. You know, that's a different type of thing. And I think there's way too much emphasis on, again, there, age is something to pay attention to. Age is definitely something to look at and examine and crack open. But at the same time, you, you need to not be just blinded by by age to the extent that some people are, where, like, it shouldn't end an argument. Like, just because a player, like a Juan Price is 24 years old, but you shouldn't end the argument with the Juan Price about he's 24 years old, so don't draft him at all. Like, that shouldn't happen. Like, you need to look at the tape. You need to see what they bring to the table. Then look at, okay, what the projection could be based on those other sort of factors. Um, and, and, again, like, Devin Funches was a very young player. He's not an all-star wide receiver yet. I don't think he ever will be one, but – there's all these people that think, oh, because he was such a young player that came out that all of a sudden he's going to be better. It's the sort of thing of like, there's even recruits who, and Donovan even knows, I know, I know Donovan is on the show, but there's even this sort of emphasis of like, well, I should come out now because if I come out a year earlier, I'm going to be older and thus a, a, a less chance of becoming a great player. That shouldn't be what you're thinking about. You should be thinking about whether or not you are a really good player and not age has nothing to do with with you being a good player or not. Age is just what it is. You know, it's just your age. So um, that's the only thing I'd say, man. Is I think there's way too much emphasis on especially players, just like declaring early because, well, I'm going to be really old. 
so I need to declare early so I'm not old when you should really be thinking about am I a good player or not because that's what's going to keep you in the NFL, not your age, you know. I mean, Ezekiel, he was 24 years old when he entered the NFL. You know, Nadabakin, too, was older when it came to defensive tackles, but he was Richard, dominant. Richard Sr., yes. That's what he was saying, right, at the unstoppable killing machine. <laughs> yes, we should factor that in. Marvin Harrison, that's the thing that I look for. Old, and he's a Hall of right, Famer, or at least borderline Hall of Famer. Yeah. Right. That's the thing that always sticks with me. I mean, hey, Dion came out. Dion should have come out. There was nothing more for Dion Sanders to accomplish or prove as a collegiate. Uh, I'm not a guy that's against people coming out if they're truly ready, right? The Barber brothers, Rondi and Tiki Barber, you know, they were among some of the sort of early guys. And, of course, especially early guys who weren't slammed on first-rounders. I think Rondi went 66 overall and Tiki might have gone, I can't remember if he went around later, or I know they went, I know both of them went outside of the first, and people were like, see, you, you shouldn't have, I mean, I don't have a big problem with that. Those those guys were super accomplished, though. They both were really, yeah. really, hey, really, Barber, really good. I mean, based on all the historical historical documents I read, Ronnie Barber was considered to be like cornerback 14-15 on most sort of which I thought so, was crazy talk at the time, Jim. Yeah. I couldn't understand. I mean, but, once again, other than not being tall, he had everything else. He was a terrific tackler. He could cover like nobody's business. I mean, people, you know, talk about him playing his career in Tampa too. Well, if you watched him in college, he could cover in man and did it, did it extremely well. Um, he could he could have done either. If he'd gone to a team that played man, he would have been just fine. Trust me. Uh but I wasn't against those two coming out because they both were clearly ready. Both of them were clearly ready. When a guy's clearly ready, I'm not going to say, oh, you got to go back. But when a guy is not caring at the collegiate level, yeah, that's what blows my mind. As I tweeted before, I couldn't win a job in college. I'm going to go to the NFL. Like, it doesn't make sense. It logically doesn't make any sense. Like, if if you can't prove that you can win a job, in college football, how are you going to win a job in the NFL? You know, and not even like a starting job, like winning a job to be as a backup is tough enough, you know, to do the NFL level. So I just don't, you know, I don't know. I just don't get it. I don't understand the sort of um, emphasis to just ignore development to be truly as ready as you're going to be. I mean, because again, there's some seniors that are just not going to be good players, you know, because they're just not a good player. But to not go back and work to become a better player, to get to, to, to better your chances, I just don't understand. For a lot of yeah, the, the other Right, the other sort of mind boggler, for me, at least, you know, I don't know about other people, but some of these guys I know for a fact got grades back that told people, told them, because I've, you know, for everything I've, I've gathered and from people I've talked to who are closer to, you know, than I am to how the advisory process works, is they generally try to be conservative whenever and, and however and whatever way they can be. Uh, some of these guys I know for sure were told they were likely to be, you know, middle round guys. And like I said, if something's going on with your family, if it's like I said, the old days, like a true hardship. Right where you really have 
you know, something going on with your life, something going on in your family, sure. And undoubtedly that's the case in some of these cases. So, you know, I don't want to, you know, be too, you know, rough or whatever, but it's also not, it's not the case in all of these cases, <laughs> you know, some of these situations are, and once again, maybe somebody just doesn't want to be in college anymore or be in school anymore or, you know, just wants to be done and out somewhere else doing something else. And if that's the case, you know, I, I can see that too. I, I get that to a certain extent. You know, why not pay for it, all that stuff that people say. But and once again, I understand we're talking about young people, 20, 21, 22. You may always, maybe you don't always have the long game in mind when you make decisions. But there should be someone around you, it seems to me, there should be someone around you who is that person who says, you know, the average career is you know, three years, and you, you might only get one shot. I mean, some guys do get a second, even third bite of the apple, but that's the exception, not the rule. Most people, most players, most people who ever get into a camp and, you know, wash out, that's usually... They may get in some other camps, but usually that's that's it. You know, you that's in it. terms of your chances to to yeah, right. You know, really, you'll get yeah. you'll get a phone call two years later, you know, by some team that wants to look at you again. You show up, maybe you break on, or maybe it's the same situation. But that's pretty much it, and you know, um, end up working at Reebok. Telling you, you know, like I just. There's just lots of bad things that can happen, man. Um, and unfortunately, when you have players that are young that are trying to make decisions, they don't always look at the, the you know, they always look at the upside, man. You know, like, hey, I'm going to kill it at the combine. Or this is up. Well, what if you don't get invited to the combine? You know, like, I'm just straight up. Like, there's a lot of guys that, again, some people even contact me. They're like, oh, you know, I'm going to kill it at the combine. I'm like, well, are you going to get invited to the combine? You know what it takes to get invited to the combine. Um, you might go to one of those regional combines, but to be completely honest, most scouts don't care about those places. I mean, unless you do like really, really well, and even then, that's just enough interest to again to be a camp invite, even you know at those types of things. So it's I don't know, it's just tough. But again, it's their decision ultimately. Um, I do understand the sort of idea of like putting more protections for them. Like I don't understand why, and you've kind of mentioned this before, why if you declare for the draft and let's say you don't get drafted and you don't get much interest that maybe there should be a thing where you can go back to school and still be eligible to play, even though that didn't work out, you know? Um, I just think that that would be sort of a somewhat of a solution to some, some of these issues. Um, with with guys who just aren't thinking clearly, you know, they're not making proper decisions. They're not. They're kind of overemphasizing how well they're going to do because you don't know. We know, Bill, how many guys have said, "Oh, I'm going to kill at the combine." They show up to the combine and they run four six or four seven. <laughs> you know, yeah. when they said they were going to run four four or whatever, um, it happens yeah. all the time. So every year, several times a year, correct? Because you just don't. You know, you're not realistic. So at the very least, you know, 
wow, I didn't run very good. The NFL's not going to like me. I'll go back to school, you know, but they don't really have that option. But if they did have that option, I think they might actually help um, some things a little bit more in terms of that sort of process. Yeah, that's one of those things that always sort of uh, you know, gives me pause, something of a concern, because I don't want to see, you know, a guy, like I said, a guy just make it to camp or just, um, you know, be a camp body if the next year he'd had a shot to be something way more than that. I mean, Caleb... Uh, Right, Caleb uh, Jones of all people, uh, you know, b- older brother of, of uh, Zay Jones, came out early. He was in a first of all, I understand he was in an offense that he wasn't thrilled by. It's not a great offense to be a wide receiver. Uh, the it is a once again spread offense, but it's a spread to run offense uh, that Coach Rodriguez runs at Arizona, and. You know, he wasn't getting fed the ball and, you know, certain other things. I, like I said, I kind of get all of that. But that was a huge head-scratcher because I knew, you know, once again, you and I both know people who are fairly close to that family. It wasn't like there was some sort of family crisis. You know, in that in that family circle, you've got a couple of former NFL football players that, you know, nothing bad has happened. That family is doing well in terms of, you know, every or most of the ways that families, you know, do can do well. Uh, I don't know. That's a strange thing all around. Like I said, I don't know if he, he just didn't like being in Arizona anymore and didn't feel like transferring. I don't know, whatever. So, you know, he managed to bounce around a little bit and stuck with the Eagles. I think he's still on the Eagles roster. But I, I just couldn't help but think that he would have been better served by either transferring if he really, you know, wasn't feeling Auburn anymore or sticking it out at Auburn and, and trying to improve as much as he could in place. But uh, And there's, a, like I said, several of those every year where you sort of look, uh, did Noah Brown declare it? I'm not losing my mind, right? Yeah, he declared. Yeah, see... Oh. One of those Ohio State declare declarations that happens every year that you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's, yeah, he declared. <sighs> yeah. The beginning of the year, you know, we had that 4TD game, remember? And uh, that was really about it. But yeah, he had that 4TD game. And uh, I'm just saying, like that—that's the extent of the door. That's the story, though, right? Remember when he scored four touchdowns against Oklahoma? Yeah, I remember those days. That was good days. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, there was a sweet catch in there that a lot of people saw on Sports Center or yeah. wherever. I mean, he's. Basically, to me, he doesn't look like Michael Thomas, but a raw version of Michael Thomas. Like, that's basically what it looks like. Um, Which, again, is cool as a possession receiver. But as the year went on, Curtis Samuel was a top-bar receiver. um, And now he's like, I don't know. I I don't want to get into debates. It's like with Jabril Peppers. Like, oh, he's a running back. No, he's not. 
he's he's not a full time running back. Like he's he, yeah. Um, it's crazy yeah, to me how somebody will question Denell Pumphrey's ability to carry the ball at the NFL level, <laughs> and then blithely accept that Curtis Samuel should be an NFL running back. <laughs> you know, I don't know why people think the way they think. Uh, I I just. I mean, I mean, just Ohio State declaration. Most of these kind of make sense. I mean, Malik Cooker. Well, that doesn't really make sense. He's very talented. I, I do wish he went back another year, but um, yeah, he's going. Marshawn Lattimore, who's who people made a first round corner, is gone. I don't really think he's a first round corner, but we'll see. No. Uh, no, I, I don't think he's even an early. I don't even see him as an early second round corner. I start well, being interested in him somewhere around pick number, you know, ninety six, ninety five, somewhere around there. I get it. The issue I have is, as I want to see it, because here's the thing: whenever, whenever I want to see what a top ten cornerback looks like, I'll go watch Deion Sanders. I'll go watch, you know. Uh, uh, Patrick Peterson, Jason Brett, yeah, Jason Brett. Uh, I'll go watch Darrell Revis at Pittsburgh. I'll go, you know, like I'll go watch those guys, or even Charles Woodson. Even like Charles Woodson is probably the best example. You know, just like, yes. guy. Yes, he like is. you see him in college, you're like, wait, that's a cornerback. That's okay. <laughs> like that's that sort of yeah. Thing. He was uh, he was a full grown man, and he had a all, I mean, everything, football IQ, size, speed, power, he could tackle, he could, he could anticipate, I mean, yeah, he had, all the boxes were checked. Exactly. Uh, and of course, I know you, I know you can't quite remember Rod Woodson as a collegiate, but I most certainly do. That was another all boxes checked guy. I mean, all boxes exactly. checked. So like, <laughs> So like when a guy goes, oh yeah, this guy's a top ten quarterback. I'll go back. I'll watch those guys. Then I'll go watch that guy, and I'll go. That guy doesn't look like that guy. That guy isn't a top ten quarterback. He isn't nearly as big. He isn't nearly as fast. He isn't nearly as explosive. He isn't nearly as impressive tech wise. Like there's just things you go back and you watch and you go, yeah, that's what a first round. That's what a top ten quarterback is at the very least. Um, and when you have guys like Justin Gilbert and you have guys <laughs> like these other sort of people where it's like, I, again, I like the cornerback class. I think there's a lot of depth in it. I think there's a lot of good players. I think there's a lot of guys that are really going to do really good contributions. Is there a top 10 cornerback in this class? No. None of these guys, from a physical standpoint, look that, like that. And Tape-wise, none of them really look like that either. And the, most of the guys on tape are just really inconsistent, do some things well, don't do other things really well. Um, so, I don't know, that's where I'm at, man. So, like, guys like Gary and Connolly and Marshawn Lattimore, they're getting first-round corner hype, but those guys aren't first-round corners. You know, um, they're, they're just not. And I know the Eli Apple people are like, well, see, he was successful this year. Yeah, successful, but is he a first round corner? It was is it was he really a top ten cornerback? No, he wasn't. He was closer to like Antoine Cason, you know, in terms of 
what he was going to become. So, yeah, I mean, the corners, the in the entire Ohio State safety uh, secondary, excuse me, declared. Uh, Curtis Samuel declared. I, I get it. Uh, I think he's a fairly decent wide receiver. Noah Brown declared, of course, which is kind of like, eh. But that's it. So so far, so I think that's actually pretty good because there was a lot of talk of like Sam Hubbard declaring and Tyquan Lewis declaring, like, and that isn't happening. So that's good because I I think those, especially Lewis, I was fairly impressed with this year, and I'm happy that they're going back and getting better, you know, um, for another year. So. Yeah, well, that shows two things to me, a certain maturity of thinking, and perhaps they didn't get back the grades they wanted, but either way, you can always tell the guys for whom having a certain kind of NFL career is important to them, but also having a certain kind of collegiate career is important to some guys. You know, some guys don't just see college football as something they force you to do, so you try to figure out a fairly comfortable way to do it while you try to get yourself into the league as soon as possible. Now, there's more guys thinking that way than there were in the past, but there's still plenty of guys who are very committed to being a great teammate and hitting team goals and all those kinds of things in their time, you know, at whichever institution. Exactly. Which so far, underclassmen-wise, we have 92 so far. Um, so wow. that's a lot, actually. It's not as many as in the – I mean, I remember we had like 100-plus. Um, I forgot which track that was. But, yeah, th- that was a lot. But so far, these are sort of the guys. Like Jerome Lane from our Akron at wide receiver. Do you think he should have declared, Bill? <laughs> well, you know my stance. Like I said – I think there should be a handful each year that come out early because only a handful of them could really be dominant. I mean, I'm trying right. to who I would mean. I'm okay, just, I'm, yeah, sorry, go ahead. There's 92, so I'm just I'm just asking, just for clarification, 92. should Jerome Wayne have come out? It's kind of a rhetorical no, question. Are you kidding? <laughs> I mean, I, I like Jerome Wayne. I loved his dad, you know, watching his dad. That's where the... He's impressive. He's an impressive athlete. Call. He's he was an impressive, impressive athlete. athlete. His dad was an impressive athlete. They were both big, somewhat but, explosive guys. But he's not a finished product as a receiver or even a... No. I mean, forget finished. I'm trying to think of what, what's the next step below that. I mean, he's he's not a guy who has a very good idea of how to play the position at yeah. this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, he, he's in. Uh, Marlon Humphrey from Alabama declared. Right. And now he's a first-round um, safety, in case you hadn't heard. Oh, he's, <laughs> top, he's a top-ten quarterback, actually. Um, uh, but, yeah, that's that's there. Cam Robinson, top-ten tackle. Yeah, he's a stud. Uh, our Darius Stewart, which I'm actually surprised by that. I, I like Stewart, but I don't think there's anything really specific. He's, I don't want to say generic, but he's one of those wide receivers that you see that guy a lot, 
you know, as sort of that number two, number three kind of wide receiver. But there's so many of them that you kind of wonder exactly what's going to get him to stick out, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but he's kind of one of those guys. Yeah, he, he declared. Uh, Ashland tight end, Adam uh, Shaheen declared. So that, that happened. Carl Lawson from Auburn declared for obvious reasons. So he doesn't bust his knee again. Katie Cannon declared. Jeremy McNichols declared. Chad Hansen declared. But there was some talk about him coming back, which didn't happen. Uh, Wayne Gallman declared. Artavis Scott declared. So, again, Bill, should Artavis Scott have declared? Okay, now, let me preface by saying I am a, a fan, actually, of Artavis Scott. But he's not even, I mean, like just among slot receivers in the ACC, he might, he's going to be like the second or third one drafted. I mean, there's, it's just exhausted. There's yeah, no Well, it happened. It happened. Like here, here's a couple. Here's a couple other one. I'm just gonna again. I'm, some of these guys, like we just expected, like like Tez Tabor, right? He's coming out. It was expected. Quincy Wilson expected. Those are also two guys that are considered first round corners. Do you think that those are first-round corners? So, yeah, that's... I mean, we were promised that they were big machines. Oh, you're kind of breaking up a bit. Oh, I was saying that... It, that's That's why it is that I am so, you know, taken aback, bothered, whatever term I use, but when you get these these floods, you know, of, of underclassmen, and like I said, there's certainly there are guys like I said, I I would fully embrace seeing declare, you know, some guys that make sense and they truly have what it takes or, or have shown things that make you feel like they have what it takes that they can have a legitimate shot. And you know, they should go early. They have an understanding of what the the physical and mental demands are likely to be on the, the next level, and they're ready to face those demands and and negotiate. Oh yeah, but well, we haven't even got we haven't even got all the way. Through. I mean, Dalvin Cook makes sense. Um, Dalvin Cook, I'm fine. That 100 percent on board. Yes, very impressed. <laughs> Plus the Clemson game. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, that Clemson game was amazing. Um, but yeah. Uh, Roderick Johnson, another guy, first round tackle, right? Supposedly. Yeah, he declared. <laughs> um, but again, he's he's got that arm length, though. You seen those long arms? He had to, which uh, we're uh, getting uh, Jandre Francois killed because he wasn't blocking people. Yeah, and Travis Rudolph declared as well from from Florida State, which I don't know. I mean, I asked Jeff because you know Jeff has kind of a thing. He didn't really give a full answer, but um, I didn't quite understand why Travis Rudolph declared I, again. Oh, he's not a. Right. Yeah. It's like our Darius Stewart kind of like I think he's 
he's okay, but like there's nothing. Right, there's but he's nothing not even as there. interesting as our Darius. Right, he's not even as interesting as our Darius. Stewart, yeah, so. but I'm just saying he's he's a he's a he's a power five wide receiver at a big program who's starting. Yes. Who yes. does some things well, but. The only games uh-huh. he was really dominant was like Charleston Southern, like was the game where he was like really <laughs> flashing, you know, was that right, game. Right, 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 uh, right. And, you know, in really Charleston lucky. Southern's defense, that's a solid program. You know, the Chanticleers. Well, that was the game that they the, had all the players. Right, the, uh, the, right, uh, the Buc- uh, Buccaneers. Buccaneers is actually up there. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I know I understand what you're saying. I mean, I've, I've actually been. Uh, to a a Charleston game, and yeah, I mean it's a you know it's a solid little little FCS program. Um, but yeah, I mean it's 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 worth noting. I'm not knocking. Not I'm right. Adding that not. the I'm game just... he played, <laughs> the game he played against them, they had they Charleston Southern literally had two arms tied behind their back. Literally, like that basically was what that game was <laughs> in terms of not allowing players to play. Uh, so, yeah, That's I mean, right. it's understandable. Yeah. But I'm just saying, Travis Rudolph, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? What are you yeah. – what money – I mean, there is, there's not but, – but it's more than just that. There, there's other – again, there's other players declaring. Marcus Oliver from Indiana declared. Crickets, obviously. Uh, yeah, Elijah I mean, Lee. I, Elijah Lee, State. really? Really? Yeah. Elijah Lee? Yes. I know for a fact that he did not get a graphical grade back from the advisory committee. What I don't the think heck? he did. I don't know what but he I, did. I can guarantee you he did. I guarantee you he did. I don't really know what he is, man. He's kind of like a undersized, you know, scouts get really antsy if you weigh 230 at linebacker and they don't like you. Imagine Elijah C coming back and weighing two twenty ish, so or less. So yeah, uh, yeah, he he declared. Uh, like I'm kind of sort of a fan of his, but uh, uh. so yeah. No, Devin Redding. <laughs> it's not too late. Indiana. Take your name out. Yeah, uh, uh, Devin Redding from Indiana. He declared. Uh, You're kidding me. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm just saying, like Stanley Boom Williams declared from Kentucky. Yes, well, Boom Williams is a fun player to watch, Boom. but this is yeah. definitely not the right running back class to come out no. when you're kind of sort of, sort of okay, decentish. Kind of, sort of okay, kind of a yeah, back, kind of. A, I mean, he has some things he does, but like. There's other SEC running backs that declared, actually. So, uh, which we haven't got to them yet, but I'm just saying there's other guys uh, who are better that from the SEC. Like, just because you play the SEC doesn't mean there's other guys that played in the SEC who also declared that are better players. But, yeah, so that happened. Uh, Carlos Henderson from Louisiana Tech declared. I'm a fan. I'm a fan of Carlos Henderson. He's a really good wide receiver. I still mm-hmm. think he would have been better served by. I mean, I, obviously, I use the term "lost in the sauce," you know, quite often, <laughs> uh, and I do believe he will probably end up being lost in the sauce this year. Uh, he will. He will yeah. Be 
but it's going to be the latest. Yeah. And we fight. Yeah. He's not the fight to be drafted, you know. Yeah, I think he will Roman be drafted. Into the in, <laughs> but he's going to have to wait. Yeah. A while. Uh, yeah. A while. Um, a long while. LSU had some, as always, LSU had some guys. Now, Jamal Adams, I think he probably would have benefited from another year, um, actually, considering that this year – I don't know what happened this year, man. He just didn't play as the, the awareness and the amount of mistakes he made this year was a heck of a lot more than it was the previous year. But, yeah, he, he declared he's apparently a top 10 safety. I don't think so, but we'll see. Uh, a lot of people Malachi, safety one, Jim. He's a lot of people safety one. Well, they need to watch some more safety because I know for a fact they haven't watched everybody. Uh, that's just a fact. Yep. I can say that now after watching everybody. Yeah, but yeah, Malachi Dupree declared, which is, I don't know what that is. That just happened. So It's a sign that he doesn't uh, want to be at LSU anymore. <laughs> pretty much. Nobody wants to be at LSU anymore. <laughs> you know? Like, why? 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 You know, because they don't get quarterback right. I mean, he had to play. Think about the quarterbacks that this man had to play with. Now, keep in mind, <laughs> I'm not the biggest Malachi Dupree fan. I'm not going to say he's – I'm just going to be honest. He's soft as a wide receiver. Mm. Sure. Um, that's something I can say just because he doesn't like to mix it up. He doesn't really like to get very physical. Um, if 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 a 5'9 corner punches you in the mouth and you start to play less than ideal, then you're, you're soft. I mean, I just, just being honest. Um, he is tallish. He does have long arms. He does all this stuff. But I just don't really think he's accurate of a wide receiver. So, so there's that. So, I mean, we'll see where he goes. I know day two seems to be where every draft place the signs of, but I just see more of a day three guy or less just based on his route running ability and um, everything else, physical ability-wise, I think. Also, I think he might not do too well at the combine possibly, um, based on the stuff I've seen. But, yeah, he's kind of like that. Leonard Fournette declared, obviously. Makes sense. You know, running back, did everything he could, didn't get a Heisman, but did his best. I mean, tried. You know, had a lot of injuries this year. But that makes sense. One guy that declared, again, Deontay McManus from Marshall. Now, I have not seen McManus, but what are your thoughts with McManus from Marshall declaring. This is another one of those things where I'm torn. This is a player I like. I just don't know what the thought process could be. Once again, I, I believe he has a shot to be drafted, but it, once again, it's not going to be early. Uh, and that's unlike, I mean, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe there's family stuff. I mean, there could be, I don't know, I'll ask around. Maybe there's something going on there. Right. Um, because I mean, that's what, you shouldn't uh, enter the draft and, and have to get into a fight. Like, you should never play the draft like a lottery because usually you'll lose. House always wins. So, it's <laughs> all I'll say. The NFL always wins. No matter, you know, hey, if you don't develop, we'll have another player next year that'll be developed, you know. So, um, but yeah, he's, yeah, that's kind of odd. Miami had. Uh, a lot more players than I thought they would, actually. Brad Kaya declared, which I felt like he should have stayed in school. He's another guy that 
teams may like him a lot more than I do. I just kind of see, again, a generic West Coast quarterback. I don't really see any. And, again, I know he had a, a change of system. I get that. But you don't improve. With the, it's kind of like the sort of when the system changed for uh, for Hackenberg. And everybody's like, well, they made it simpler. So... He's he's such a it's it's boring like he like Hackenberg's play dropped the system became simple but Hackenberg actually became a worse quarterback when the system got simpler which I I I don't believe that I just think he's never really that great of a quarterback um, but there seems to be a little bit of that Micaiah I do think he does some things well but I just thought that was kind of weird Joe Yearby declared as well I must but assume that Yearby declared because he was not going to be a featured guy. Not going to start. Yeah, not going to be a yeah, featured guy. Yeah, and he's right. a really impressive running back, actually. He's an impressive of... running back. I, I was, he was on my all emerging team a couple of years ago, back when he was going into his sophomore year, and I thought yeah. he was about to blow up. <laughs> exactly. And the thing is, is like, I know people are going to knock him because he had a split with, with Walton, but like, I think based on his sophomore tape, that's kind of where I go to. I know I may be wrong for doing this, but I just think that there's there's a lot of stuff there sophomore tape-wise, because he played a lot more. And there's a lot of stuff this year, it's just you have to find it, you know, have to search for it a lot more. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a good, he's a really good running back that just didn't seem to really, I don't, again, I don't get that. I mean, that's something to kind of look into why he, you know, didn't really do his Play? thing. Of course, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Uh, <laughs> And David yeah. uh, the Joku from uh, right from Miami again, yes. Who is now a lot of people um, use the hot, sexy new T one on a bunch of people's big boards. I why? Uh, I mean, he's apparently okay. a freak athlete. Uh, okay, uh, but a better version of Clyde Wolford. <laughs> here's here's the thing. I used to buy into the sort of. Well, he plays basketball, so he's going to be the next Jimmy Graham or whatever. I, I kind of butt in that. When you actually look at the history of tight ends, at least back to the 60s, not a lot of guys just didn't really have any production at all, and then all of a sudden they became good players. And even guys that, you know, had this initial success, like Jordan Cameron is like another – like people are going, oh, Jordan Cameron is another one of those guys, didn't have, a you know, a great career at USC in terms of usage, but look at him now – has kind of had an up and down career, you know, isn't really Hall of Fame worthy. So I'm starting to no, kind of no, he's not headed to the Hall. So. I'm starting to kind of <laughs> side with the fact that yeah, if if a tight end does test well as an athlete, that's great. But don't put all your chips on the table with the athlete. Is all I'm trying to say. Like, don't now. Of course, his production isn't bad. It's OJ Howard ish. Like to me. The Joku, I'd probably take over Howard only because I've seen the Joku actually break tackles and you know do you know more powerful things at times. He's not as good of a blocker as Howard, but uh, I no. do think that the Joku as a pass catcher in terms of like like Howard is a tease. The Joku actually does stuff that we've been waiting for Howard to do. I guess is what I'm trying to say. So, right. But I don't know. But it's a, but both of those guys to me are more day two, day three guys. I would, if he goes first round, it would really just be combine based. 
And even then, like I said, I don't think you should put – again, guys like Jimmy Graham, guys like Jordan Cameron were later round prospects for a reason. You know, like there was a reason. <laughs> for a reason, was, exactly. That, to mitigate the yeah. risk involved of taking some guy who's super raw and had never produced. Exactly. And if you just sort of go, well, they worked out, so let's take these guys earlier, I think you're going to start to lose again. I think you're going to start to <laughs> – have bad outcomes when you do that, but yeah, that's, it's like it's like buying lottery tickets as your plan for retirement. Exactly, it's not good. <laughs> Don't do it. Uh, but yeah, uh, Michigan-wise, the only early declaration from Michigan—this is actually surprising—is Jabril Peppers. So yes, that's it. That's the only guy that Mr. Harbaugh so far is going to lose, and I'm kind of sad because, like, I want Peppers to become a better player. I want him to kind of grow into the role he has now. And it's a lot better than, hey, NFL, draft me. Like, he better have and a then really good me combine. Out. And then figure me he out He has to after. have, like, a incredible combine. He's not going to be six foot one. He's not going to be 220 pounds. You know, he's going to be smaller. Like, and... Again, remember the thing I told you about safeties and heights? People are going to make a big deal about that. So, like, I just think he just isn't – he isn't really there yet in terms of what he is. I think I think what he really is is, like, a shorter Eric Reed type of guy who – like, that's initial – and that's best-case scenario, really, Bill. I was like going to I don't know if he's that yet. <laughs> I'm just saying that Eric Reed was a guy – and you remember, Bill – was really yeah. a JT guy, went really, really early, had some big hits, and people were like, wow. And again, the way to people's hearts as a safety is big hits. And I get it. I understand. People like big hits. People like that stuff. But I love big great safety, Dude, I great safety is not all about Do you realize who was playing safety when I first started watching football? It was a who's who of safeties. Larry Wilson, Paul Krause. I mean, I didn't really, I got spoiled early. <laughs> um, Donnie Shell, who isn't in the Hall of Fame, but possibly no, could be or should I be. I get that. I get that. Kitty Houston. I mean, it, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is that safeties, they get big hits. People grow attachment to it. It doesn't matter how bad their coverage skills are. It doesn't matter how many other, as long as they make those big hits. It's, it's, it's all good. And sometimes we kind of overrate players based on those big hits. Calvin Pryor, for example, you know, um, his career. DJ Swearinger. DJ Swearinger, yeah. And and his hits cause you penalties. You lose yardage, you know. Um, but the PI calls and the hits, it's a double whammy, man. So, yes, he is um, indeed Mr. <laughs> double Whammy himself. But, yeah. I just, First, I stop him up with the PI calls. Then I finished them off with the personal files. <laughs> yeah, Peppers. Peppers. Yeah, Peppers is just a guy that I just wish he went back to school again. I wish he'd improve. I think there's things he could improve upon in terms of coverage, and there's things he could improve upon in terms of footwork. Like there's just so many things that he could improve upon. Um, but now he's going, and you know, I I really don't know how high he'll go. I mean, I don't think he's going to be a well, top. Five or top ten pick. Yeah, all this top five talk, I just can't see it. Like, what? 
Based on what? Well, this is the thing I what? can say. Well, this is the thing I can say, and I was partially responsible for this, is that I did a, a, a six-game sample of Peppers. In the very beginning of the year, very beginning of the year, Peppers was 17% sub tackle market share, which is ridiculous. Like, that's crazy, you know, ridiculous for, for that, for any position, really. Um to end the season, he ended up with about ten and a half percent market share. So he went from like Which crazy is ridiculous to just kind of okay to solid, you know. Right, solid. So, yeah. so and and if you track the excitement, the excitement of Pepper started specifically the Colorado game, the home, you know, the very beginning of the year. They played Colorado, had some big hits, stuff like that played Hawaii, had some big – like, those were the games, and then things just started to taper off in the second half. And I think that's what a lot of it is, because when you get to the Ohio State game, um, Peppers was just – I mean, he, if you thought his covers was in the beginning of the year, you should have seen that. Like, it was very – again, he, he's very new to the position. He's still learning some stuff. Um, I really think he's a linebacker. It's just the way he plays. I mean, he, at the very least, he's a box safety for safety, whatever you're going to call it. Like, he's he's just that type of guy who has instincts, you know, at the line of scrimmage, has instincts in terms of getting the ball carrier and getting pressure on the quarterback and rushing the passer. But these aren't these aren't things that we would, say, make elite Safeties. These are things that we would say make elite linebackers or, or very good linebackers or down. No, some people. So, some people will bring up Troy Polamalu, and there's two things wrong with that. Uh, well, he had one a lot more is, tackle market share. He had better right. coverage. He had more interceptions. He had more pass deflections. He affected the passing game. See, that's the. I mean, that's the biggest thing to me. Is for the most part, there is a distinction between free safety and strong safety in that strong safeties usually have a heck of a lot more solo tackles and more sacks and more TFL, but they still affected the passing game. Even though Troy Polamalu, I mean, we're just going to admit it, what made him as great as he was was coming down and, you know, getting the running back and doing like that was what was really special about him. But he also gave you a little bit extra in terms of ball skill, gave you a little bit extra in terms of, you know, pass, like he was still good in coverage. It's just, he wasn't like, that wasn't what his best quality was, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that's kind of the difference with Peppers is, is Peppers didn't have anywhere close to Palomalo, solo tackle market share, interception market share, or pass deflection market share. Like it's not, there really is no comparison. And besides that, Troy Polamalu as an athlete, based on the stuff that I found on him, he's probably one of the most <laughs> athletic safeties to ever play the game. Ever play the game, um, correct. Period. And I don't think yeah. Pepper, that's a very tall order for Pepper to uh, to meet. It's very, very high, you know, standard to meet. So that, that, that's all right. I'm going to say. And people talk about how he's going to run 4-3 and all sort of stuff, and I mean, it's certainly not at all impossible that he could have a really, really, really great combine and all that kind of stuff. 
I don't think it's going to be a Tri-Palomalo combine. So. I mean, because, again, Palomalo was fast, Palomalo was explosive, and Palomalo was fluid. Really fast. strong. Under 7-3 yeah. count, you know. Um, <laughs> very, very low short shuttle. That's the thing I think Peppers is actually not going to perform well in is the short shuttle and three count. It's either that or footwork because, I mean, for the most part, his footwork is wonky. But his hips are a little big and stiffish, you know, a term for myself. So I think he'll definitely be fast. I think he'll definitely be explosive. But I don't quite think he's going to have the change of direction skills that Palomalo had or any great safety has. In fact, that's most great safety. That's the one thing that really you run for five or whatever, but you have like a ridiculous change of direction. And it makes sense, you know to have those sort of uh, qualities. But, yeah, Peppers is the only guy that declared for Michigan so far, and, um, you know, iffy on it. Now, Michigan State had two guys, which I know we're big fans of. Um, Malik McDowell declared <laughs> for Michigan State. Apparently, there's a lot of red flags with Malik McDowell. I wouldn't yep. have known that unless you actually watched the entire uh, football game because draft breakdown doesn't show you the – times where he taps out and, you know, like, I don't know, he's very odd. I mean, it's not effort. Like, he he, he, he tries so hard. It's, it's frustration to a certain extent because it's kind of a guy that runs really, really high, goes out there and goes crazy, and then he just kind of rage quits and goes back to the bench. Like, it's – and a lot of it's because he doesn't quite have perfect technique. He does certain things well, but – he doesn't play as he doesn't play with really good controlled leverage, so he's going to get stuck on guys a lot of times. And I've seen it a lot where there's plays that he could have made if he just had better bend um, and more controlled leverage, so he could actually you know shed and make a, a play. And sometimes it doesn't happen. Sometimes he's trying to get a sack, and he and again they're almost sacks type of thing. Because uh, keep in mind, Big Dallas had like. I think one and a half sacks this year, or four and a half. It was very, very low. But Michigan State as a whole only had like 11 sacks this year, so which is probably one of the most mind-blowing stats I've actually seen this year was how few sacks Michigan State actually had. But um, but yeah, McDowell is uh, – apparently is going to be some character stuff there. Uh, Production-wise is obviously questionable. He's kind of a bear trap. Five tech, and I think he could do that role. I think he could be a five uh, a bear trap five tech, but I don't necessarily think that's a top five pick. Um, and and not only that, Monte Nicholson also declared for Michigan State. I was kind of getting your uh, thoughts on um, Mr. Monte Nicholson. Scouts apparently like him a lot more than I do. I'll, I'll just say that much, at least from what's been. I think I think he'll play in the NFL. I think he'll be a valued reserve or whatever term you want to use for six, seven, maybe even, yeah, possibly even eight years. It's another one of those players where it's just confusing to me, though. I am completely convinced he would have gone earlier next year and probably, possibly even considerably earlier. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely there. Charles Harris from Missouri declared. Okay, uh, well, which... that's one I thought. But yeah, here's the shot. funny thing. Tigris McKinley, Charles Harris, I don't really see a difference. 
other than Charles Harris actually knows how to use his hands and, you know, actually he has a spin move that actually works. He has a swim move that actually works. Taker is, seems to have the approach of <laughs> speed rush, bull rush, and sometimes the bull rush just flat out doesn't work um, in some of the games you see. And some of that has to do with his hips. He's kind of stiffish in his hips. So he's gonna, he goes up against certain offensive linemen where he doesn't win the leverage battle, and as a result, he kind of gets stonewalled at times. But yeah, Charles Harris is a guy I don't I don't think gets enough. Um, he went from overrated to begin the year to underrated. I'll just say that much because I think he does do certain things well, and people are just kind of low on him. Uh, Josh Jones at NC State declared, which I think is kind of a surprise. Only because I don't think it's even kind of a surprise. I think it's a flat out surprise. It's it's a surprise because draft Twitter. I saw him. I really like him, but like I I'm I am who I am. Like nobody else watches him that I know of on draft Twitter. Like there was no people go. Oh, Josh Jones is so good. Like there was nothing. Um, So his declaration is a little surprising, Um, but. Uh, just to me, I guess. It's surprising to me because I didn't think that he was going to declare because he plays at NC State because there was absolutely no hype around him. There was no draft media people saying anything about him. So it, it, I don't know, it's just kind of like that with him. But uh, what are your thoughts on Josh Jones from NC State? Well, I mean, Josh Jones is a... Josh Jones it has has a good frame, good size. He has he's shown that he understands his role. I think he could possibly even be a starter in the right situation. Um, I mean, probably he could be down the road. Probably what else? Um, how do you think he'll test? I mean, I think he'll probably test slightly above average mm. in terms of athleticality. Maybe. What do you think? Maybe. I mean, That's the one word maybe right around. was, yeah. I think he might run 4.55 or 4.6, which would be devastating. To me, at least. That's kind of why I wanted him to stay in school. It's because I don't really think he's going to test. I mean, I think he's going to have, like, long arms. But, again, that's more so for cornerback. Like, you don't really need to have long arms to be safety. Uh, you know, according to everything I've seen, it's, like, not really that important. But, like, in terms of, like, him, he does have long arms. But I, I don't know how he'll really test. Of course, North Carolina had a lot of guys. Well, not a lot, but a few. Elijah Hood yeah, a few. declared. Which I'm kind of like, okay, well, all right. Uh, Nasir Jones declared. And of course, Mitch Trubisky declared. So, you know, like, hate him or like him, compare him to Mark Sanchez or whatever, but, you know, he's in the class now. So, um, again, everything I've done says that if your quarterback has only had one year of play, like, let me just put it to you this way. If Mitch Trubisky becomes a multiple all-pro quarterback, he would be the first guy to become a multiple all-pro quarterback with only one year of college experience since the 1950s. Well, actually, it's never happened, at least since the 50s. 
So that's not a knock you want to start the, you know, you don't want to start off with that, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. It's a, it's a tough uh, trend to buck. Yeah, it's really tough. And I don't think he's going to test like Mike Vick either. So Pro Bowl is kind of off the table, only because Cam Newton and, and Vick were guys who, who definitely um, were guys who had one year and then, you know, um, well, especially Cam, you know, only one year. But they had, like, special, like, ridiculous special athleticism. And for some reason, quarterbacks that have, like, ridiculous athleticism who at least know how to play to a certain extent um, have fairly decent careers, you know, for the most part. It's just when the athleticism goes away, you know, they have to have something to fall back on. Um, but, yeah, Trubisky is a little, I don't know. I'm going to be pulling my hair out with Trubisky. I would say that much. Yeah, yeah he's, that's somebody I wanted to see stay in school. And that, for some reason, others were thrilled when he declared, and I just, whatever. Well, <laughs> Cleveland people are, because you know, that's the thing. Trubisky's from the Ohio you know, high school. Right, mentor, mentor high school, yeah. yes. The Cardinals yeah. of mentor high, yes. Kaiser is also in the class. He's also from the Ohio yes. uh, high school circuit. Yes. And yes. believe me. I get it, sorta. I I try to like put myself in Kaiser's shoes. You know, you have Brian Kelly, who is like this axe murderer guy. That you know, he's bringing in all these quarterbacks to replace you. <laughs> sort of, sort of. Sort like, of. He, it's it's another one of those situations where like, what is your type? You like the short, sort of Russell Wilson quarterbacks. Or the really big, tall Kaiser. We're like, what's your preference, Kelly? Like, I, you know. I don't know. And but, that was um, the thing that it seemed like he himself didn't seem to always even know. Yeah. I mean, it was a very, I get why Kaiser would be, you know, looking for an escape hatch. <laughs> I get that part. I just. You know, so I can understand why that would be attractive to be to be not there anymore. I get that part. I really, right. really, really, really do. Right. I just think but, that for his long-term growth and development, this will tough. be a challenge for somebody for to take on. I mean, it's, really, it, it, it's really tough for Kaiser because, again, tape-wise, you see all the flaws. Like, you see a lot of talent. Don't get me wrong. I'm not denying that he has talent. Um, to me, he reminds me a lot of Bledsoe ish to a certain extent in terms of like some of the throws yeah, like Bledsoe with a with a like yeah. a more athletic version of, of Drew Bledsoe. Right. Exactly. Like that's kind of what he reminds me as like that's like upside like that's where I would say his like if everything went well and went yeah. right. Derek Anderson floor, more athletic yeah. version of Drew Bledsoe's ceiling. Exactly. But I just I mean, again, based on all the stuff that I do, the potential all-pro stuff, the only guy that's there is Brett Favre. And it's kind of amazing that he became as good as he was. I'm just being honest. Like, it's – and even a guy like Favre is a guy that went to a team, got booted off of that team. Like, it's it's amazing right. story, you know, in it itself. Took, it took a really interesting series of events. Super <laughs> But far as you have a Hall of Fame quarterback, it was it was, it could have very easily ended extremely differently. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, which 
Which is why with Kaiser, I mean, I just have to go with what I saw on tape and what the projection says, which is this is a guy who's a day two guy. This is a guy that you bring onto your team and you actually develop him, you know, because if you don't put the time in to develop this guy, it's not going to go well. Like this is a guy who, who needs time to develop. This is a guy just from a mental standpoint needs to develop and you can't develop when you're on the bench. It's just not going to happen. Not in this day and age. You know, I mean, when you right, so that's you have, a like, conundrum. The Raiders, you know, it's like with the Oakland Raiders. You know, Derek Carr took all the snaps because he's Derek Carr. You know, he's a starter. Um, then you had Matt right. McGloin, who did the scout team, took all the scout team reps. And then you had Connor Cook, who took no reps. <laughs> right. So if you're Deshaun Kaiser, <laughs> taking no reps or – taking just the scout team reps or half the scout team reps, that ain't getting it done. That's not going to – so that's – I don't know. That's – that's he's hmm, he's just scary from that standpoint of it's, – it's always scary. If you have a guy who can develop quarterbacks, it's not as scary. It still is. I mean, you're putting a lot of faith in your quarterback development. That's what I was pointing at. If you draft Kaiser or Trubisky early, you're saying to your quarterback's coach and offensive coordinator, man, you, you guys amazing. are awesome. I trust you, you with my with, I trust you with my professional life. Exactly. You're the one that decides if my little girl gets to play, you know, for her softball team that she's been playing for for the past couple of years. You're the one that decides if, you know, uh, if I get to, uh, you know, to watch, uh, you know, if my mom gets to stay in the same retirement village that she you know, that she enjoys and all that. You know, you're deciding uh, everything. This is this is our franchise. Go. Fix him. <laughs> and I don't know a lot of teams that, and I, honestly, I don't know a lot of teams that have that confidence. You know, I, I it's, it just isn't that level of confidence out there. So that's the big thing I worry about with guys like Kaiser and guys like Trubisky is, and it's kind of why I mean, I get scouts. Here's, here's, here's a challenge warm. draft Twitter. Here's a new challenge draft Twitter. Not counting the Patriots and Packers. Quick, name five teams that really understand how to develop backup quarterbacks into possible future starters. Hmm. Kansas City. There we go. Okay, we got. I mean, so gets us the Andy Reid. <laughs> Andy Reid can do that. Of course, he's the king of trading you a second rounder and then getting a second. Back. Like that's his sort of um, mo is to get a quarterback, develop him, have him do well in preseason, and then get a second rounder for him. Like that's what he does. But again, Andy Reid was also one of the guys that helped develop Brett Favre. So it makes sense. Exactly. He is legitimately a. Quarterback guru, whatever term you like, he's one of those. He's one of those guys. Exactly, but like, but that's the thing. Kaiser, if Kaiser went to the Patriots, which it's not going to happen because the NFL wouldn't let it happen. Um, uh, that would be crazy if Kaiser fell to the Patriots. So you're saying uh, if, at picks thirty-one, if Belichick's like, well, yeah, whatever, you know, Tom Brady can't play forever. Like, let's say. Let's say it's late first and Belichick, because Belichick doesn't normally trade up, but when he does, no. 
it's for something he likes. And I'm not saying that he likes Kaiser at all. Right. I mean, who knows? Maybe he does. Maybe who he doesn't. Knows? Maybe he sees the things right. that I see in terms of a Drew Bledsoe-esque kind of guy. Um, maybe. So, like, he'll go, all right, let's trade up and get Kaiser. Let's do that sort of thing. That'd be cool, you know. Because um, the other thing, too, is Kaiser fits a certain – I mean – a guy like Bruce Arians, possibly. You know, now, that's someone I could see falling in love with Deshaun Kaiser. That's actually one of the landing spots I can legitimately see for a guy like Kaiser. Oh, my God, yeah. which reminds me. Uh, God, Evans came out, too. Oh, yeah, Gerard Evans, yeah. Ugh. And he came out. But, yeah, so that that's basically Kaiser. Anthony Walker from Northwestern declared also, who... I'm a little Luke. I like his sophomore tape a lot more than his, his junior tape. Junior I don't tape. know if his injuries yep. or what, but yeah, he he came out. Of course, Noah Brown came out. Where he kind of talks about him. Yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah. Here's the funny thing about Oklahoma. So you got Joe Mixon's got character problems. You got Charles Walker's got character problems, and then you got Elijah P. Right, who is, actually doesn't have any. At least I don't any off the field problems. Any yeah. off the field problems. So. <laughs> He's kind of the guy going, hey, you know, not everybody in Oklahoma has problems. But, yeah, so that's kind of like that. Of course, the big thing with Charles Walker, to me, I'm worried about is, is concussions. Um, and that's – so medical stuff is a big thing with him. Only because I think he might have been playing through concussions to start the year. Either that or he – because I either saw it as either he – came into this year not trying to get better or he legitimately had an injury and just didn't tell anybody about it until four weeks into the season and finally got help for it, which makes a little bit more sense, which is why his play kind of was off. Because again, if you're playing with a brain injury, you know, you're going to play kind of wonky and that's kind of what his play was this year. Uh, for the most part. So that's the one thing I really worry about Walker more than anything. Uh, of course, Vincent Taylor from Oklahoma State declared, and I'm super-duper excited. I really like Vincent Taylor. Yes. He is um, a good player, yeah. He is In a really world where noses are super hard to find, I can't yeah. believe he's not getting more loose. So but that's far. the thing. I think he's the guy, again, this is probably one of the deeper defense tackle classes I've evaluated since I'm in the So... Um, and, and it's just because of that. Like, you have a Vincent Taylor. You have a Jimbo Johnson. Um, you have a Solomon Thomas, another guy that, you know, declared early. Now, some people have him as a lefty end or as an edge. I don't know what they're saying that I'm not. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> I don't get it. He's I mean, athletic. That's what they're seeing. They're seeing that he's athletic. They, and so they're they extrapolating. Don't seem, they don't seem to put two and two together. Guy plays the end. Guy not on edge. What's going on? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, it's called a 3-4 defense, man. I don't know. Maybe you should go back to school. Or, I, I don't know. But, yeah, so it's um, it's weird. But, yeah, this is, again, really good defense back in class. He's another one of those guys that's because of that. Uh, Ole Miss, Stringfellow declared. I'm really lukewarm. After man. not doing I, – I was much. I was really excited about Stringfellow coming out of high school. I'm going to be honest, I was drinking the Stringfellow Kool-Aid and then nothing. So, 
and then nothing. He basically was like Jerron Wilson, but a little bit faster, more dynamic. Yes, more dynamic. <laughs> but Jerron Wilson, nevertheless, just a possession wide receiver that didn't wasn't really super fast, wasn't really super strong. You know, was strongish for his size, but wasn't like overly strong. His side. Didn't seem to have a so, great concept of how to get open, how to run routes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Of course, Chris, uh, Penn State had two guys. They had Chris Godwin and Garrett Sickles. Now Chris Godwin is basically Josh Malone, but plays at Penn State. And I don't know what else to say. I mean, Godwin from a production standpoint is good, decent. But tape-wise, I just see kind of an average, kind of number two, number three kind of wide receiver. I don't know if that's what you see, too, but I, he does have the go up and get the ball sort of stuff that he does a lot, where it's like yellow balls that he goes up and gets. But yellow ball receiving ability is not in my checklist at wide receiver. I don't know. Maybe I might add that, but um, it's it's really the only thing he really does extremely well, or at least does a lot. He's not really the best at that either. Just he, he happens to get in a yellow ball situation a lot, and sometimes he comes down with those 50-50 balls. But I don't know. What, you, what are your thoughts on like Chris Godwin kind of declaring, really? I, I think people are sort of the after image of Allen Robinson sort of hangs around, but he's not Allen Robinson. He's not as big. He might be as fast. Maybe he might be a little bit faster. Who knows? But he's not as good. Uh, he's not as powerful. He does seem to have an ability to, as you said, go up and get certain balls in certain situations. I don't think he's going to be more than a third wide receiver for anybody, which is, you know, still not a bad thing. I mean, you can be not bad. a third wide but receiver and have a... How many third wide receivers are in this? Like, that's my big... That's my sticking point, I guess, is like if you declare early, what what quality do you have that nobody else has? And with him being a number three wide receiver or number two wide receiver, this class is full of those guys. Like, again, like I said, yeah. Josh Malone from Tennessee does pretty much the same God. thing you do. Right. He does the same thing you do. I mean, he catches your little balls from Josh, from, uh, Josh Dobbs. But, <laughs> Josh Dobbs, yes. But it's I mean, he does the same thing. I mean, I'm just, you know, so, like, what makes you better than Josh Malone? You know? Like and I think Malone might of, test better. Exactly. So, yeah. And Garrett Sickles, I don't, I don't know. Um, That's another head scratcher. Yeah, I'm with you. Like, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. You, you did what? Kind of a, I don't think he's going to test very well as an athlete. I think it's not going to go too well. James Conner declared, which makes sense. You know, I mean, he had to deal with what he had to deal with. Also, right? Yeah. 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 Why isn't he at the senior bowl? Boom. Hey, Phil Savage. Why isn't James Conner at the senior bowl? Huh? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. He has has a cool story to tell. I mean, you're going to visit kids in the Shriners Hospital. There's the guy to send. Mm -hmm. Exactly. What's going on, Mr. Phil? Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, that happened. Uh, of course, Christian McCaffrey declared to draft Twitter's lukewarm reception. 
I don't get it. He's just a slot receiver. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that happened. Derek Barnett declared, which makes sense. Alvin Kamara declared, which is – I mean, I don't Doesn't hate Alvin. Quite make sense. I don't hate Alvin Kamara either, but he had a chance to show people he could be more than just a third down back type if he came back yeah. and was the man next year. Yeah, but he didn't do that. He apparently no. thinks – being a third fiddle while we're running back, having a split time with uh, the guys in the split time. I'm just saying, if this is, if, 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 again, draft Twitter, speaking to you, if you can hear me, um, this is a guy that you say is a day two running back, a high second round running back, but could barely stick out with Jalen Hurd and all these other sort of, like, I just, I don't get it. I mean, he does do things well. I'm not denying that. I'm just saying guys like Kalfani Muhammad do very cool things as well. Like, there's just tons of running backs in this class, and he's just getting added to the pile. So it's kind of, yeah. Of course, Dunta Foreman declared from Texas, the only guy from Texas that declared, which is somewhat surprising only because usually when a head coach is fired in any program, there's usually a lot more early declarations. But Foreman was the only one so far. So um, I guess that might be a think one, period. I think, first of all, I'm guessing a bunch of guys didn't like their draft grades. True. Um, or or maybe that Charlie Strong influenced, you know, try, you know, talking to Charlie Strong and Charlie Strong, hey, you should stay and get your education. You know, you should, you know, follow the tenets of what I instilled into you guys. You know, I want you guys to finish this out. Maybe two. I don't know. You know. But yeah. So Foreman declared. And Foreman is having a bit of a backlash now for whatever reason. But there's people who are like super, super high. And now people are like super, super like, I don't like him. You know. And you know, again, Foreman is what Foreman is. He's a big back. He's faster. He's not going to run like I don't know where this came from. But apparently if you run you outrun Cal's defense, you're apparently really fast, which is not always the case. So, uh, I mean, yeah, he's only fast for a big back. Exactly. I mean, he's fast for a big back, but he's not like... If he runs low, low four fives, which is flat getting it for a back his size, people should be thrilled. Exactly. So, but yeah, he's one of those guys that I think people are a little too... I do like him as a again as a power back kind of thing, but I think there may be too much Jeremy Hillness to him to a certain extent. Um, yeah, Texas A and M had a bunch of declarations, and most of them I don't agree with. Miles Garrett, I completely understand. A lot of hate on Miles Garrett too. He had an injured season this year. You know, teams tried to do stuff to limit him, just like Joey Bosa. But if you go back to the sophomore tape and the freshman tape, you see a monster, man. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, there's, there's been a lot of hate on him. And then of course, Texas A&M had Speedy Nolan and Ricky Seals Jones declare. Ricky Seals Jones is probably the guy who makes the least amount of sense. He was a guy that they, I don't normally say, Oh, a guy schemed to be open, but he was one of the guys who literally was, I could, you could just see it. Like he was schemed to be open. And even when he was schemed to be open, Bill, he didn't always execute. 
you know, he didn't always catch the ball, even when he was given these opportunities to just, you know, do this wheel route and catch it, you know, up, like even in those situations, it was just not great. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know how that's going to work out for those guys. But, uh, yeah, so they're there. Uh, of course, Patrick Mahomes declared from Texas Tech. I felt like another year probably would have benefited him, but he's another guy that I hope gets into the hands of, like, Andy Reid or some other sort of West Coast. Just a versus out of the Saints, even, you know, because Drew Brees is, you know, getting up there. So, like, he could sit behind him and, you know, develop and do that whole stuff. Now, USC had a guy declare. I'm not too familiar with him, but I'll just ask you, Bill. Uh, Damian uh, Mama, offensive lineman from USC, oh, how do you yeah. feel about Why is that? he declaring? Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, oh, God. He'll probably get drafted. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever be a starter. He'll be a swing guy. He probably can play right tackle in a desperate situation. Uh, he can play some guard. Uh, might be able to play center. I don't know. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that's that. I, we're, we're, yeah. And clear? again, well, again, we have we have 92. We're almost done, though. We're getting to the end. <laughs> um, so... So yeah, Andy Vanderdose declared, which is like really. I thought he would be. Yeah, he he declared. Supposedly he had another year of eligibility, and some of that was injury related. Um, he's another some guy. Injury related, but I mean, yeah. I mean, how could you possibly be high on Eddie Vanderdose? I mean, you know what I mean? Like, what would you be thinking? Well, think, wow, I'm thrilled to see Eddie Vanderdose in this draft. I can't wait to get my hands on Eddie Vanderdose. Well, he, here's here's the big thing. Uh, Miles Jack. It was a beautiful time, Virginia. They were playing Virginia 2015. Miles Jack was Miles Jack at the time. People were like, oh, my gosh, Miles Jack, amazing. And Eddie Vanderdose, wow, Eddie Vanderdose, amazing. And then Eddie Vanderdose got injured, and then Miles Jack uh, got injured as well. And then things kind of took a dark turn in the UCLA land. Um, and then Eddie Vanderdose came back. And I think the biggest issue, like – I mean, I'm not the biggest size critic or what a guy looks like 100%. Like, I don't – like, you know, a lot of scouts go to these events and they go, wow, that guy looks, you know, like uh, – you know, like Man, sure, how skinny his of, knees are. Yeah. You know, or, oh, gosh, he's shaped like a pear or that kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, bad body. Yeah. Yes. I'm not the biggest guy <laughs> to that. I just want to see how they how they perform on the field. You know, there's some guys who don't really look that great, which I've – seen in the past that I actually really liked. The NFL didn't like them because of whatever physical sort of thing. Um, yeah, Vanderdose is going to get some of that. Like, he he isn't – you look at him and you just see a very, well, I'll say sloppy-looking kind yeah, of player. Yeah, no, you could say that. Yeah. He's kind of loosely packed. It's, yeah. He's not ripped uh, beyond – well, not like that. I mean, he's not even or, firm. Know, or any <laughs> but – the difference is Danny Shelton made a heck of a lot more plays. Danny Shelton was everywhere. Like, Danny Shelton, right. Danny like, Shelton was, was everywhere. crazy productive. <laughs> that would be the biggest and yeah, And consistently he, crazy productive. He, yeah. It's not like he'd have one or two great games and then disappear for seven games and then show up one more time and then, Vanderdose you know, to play just, early. I mean, again, and, and Vanderdose does do some things well, but at the same time, it's just thing. And even though people – 
do the whole leadership argument. Based on all the stuff I've heard that happened at UCLA this year, that leadership wasn't really helping. I mean, I guess a man can only do so much, I guess. But <laughs> yes, a man, man can only do things, so much. Some of the things that I heard at UCLA were just very... I wonder, yeah. when you say leadership, like, I, that would not... Is that a positive? Because uh, yeah. that does not seem to be a team that was led all that well, from what I could much. see. Yeah. Kind of led by insecurity. Players, you know, coaches. Uh, I mean, it was. It didn't seem to be a place where leadership. I mean, sheesh, boy. Yeah. So, <laughs> is that is that what they're so selling? Is that like, what they're selling there? I guess. Uh, but yeah. So so that's kind of like that. Juju Smith Schuster declared, which I think is. Yeah, I think it's a bad decision only because, like, I mean, I do see physical stuff with Juju that I like, but he just continues to not do well in terms of routes. He does do certain things. Like, it's, it's basically like this. He's just not a very deceptive wide receiver. And even though he does do certain things that I see it's coached into him, like, hey, do a stutter step, do this, do that. And he does work on these techniques, but he just doesn't know how to use these techniques in a manner to actually be deceptive. Like, just right. because you do a stutter step, I mean, just because you do a stutter step, if you do the stutter step and you break inside all the time anyways, as a DB, I don't care about your stutter step. Like, I know where you're going. Like, it's just a bunch of, like, stuff in front of me. To, like, so that's my big thing with Juju is, like, he does – he does look like a guy that is getting, you know, a lot of stuff. Like, he is learning certain things tech-wise and all that sort of stuff, but he just doesn't know how to take these concepts and actually make them effective in games. It's the application. Is that, that's the thing exactly. that's right you. It's the application. And it, you understand and it really does. Things, yeah, and it really yeah, does, right? Because yeah. Yeah. anytime he goes up against a DB that is coached well, that you know, that is discipline, which is what NFL DBs are, at least usually. He's not getting open, you know. He's not having that big of an impact. Most of his big plays are crossing routes and stuff like that, you know, plays where he's on the move, on the hoof, and, you know, catches stuff like that. So I just worry about how that will really translate once he gets to the NFL level where, sure, NFL coaches can – teach him all these different techniques, but if he doesn't know how to apply them in game to actually have benefit, then it doesn't matter, you know, what they teach him. So that's really, and he is a young guy. I do get that, but again, age is and talent, you know, so I just kind of worry about that kind of stuff. Only in the sense of like a lot of people are like, oh, he's a first round wide receiver. I don't really see that. No. I see a guy that is more day two, you know, maybe early day three at like the latest, just because there's so much stuff you have to work on, so many things you have to get him to learn. Um, and and I and even then, I don't think he's gonna be like I know he's a good athlete, but I don't think he's gonna be like a super dude. Like I don't think he's gonna be like this, you know, Calvin Johnson level or Andre Johnson I, I level think, athlete. Either. I think the. I think best case scenario is a slow Roddy White. I mean, slower Roddy White. If, if everything works out perfectly, that's exactly is a slower version of Roddy White. If, if he maxes out, works his butt off, gets great coaching, yeah, exactly. So, so there's lots of there. 
couple more guys. Again, we're almost there. <laughs> we're almost there. Um, <laughs> Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack from UCLA, uh, USF is, is in, which makes sense. It's a really deep running back class, but I think he'll stick out. I mean, he's he's put up some decent tape. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, kind of maximizing it. Aaron Jones also declared he's another guy that has good tape. I'm a big, really I'm a big declared, fan. I just – I wish, wish he'd waited because well, I think he'll get lost in the sauce. In according according to the people that I talked to, his big decision was, do I go to another school, like transfer right. to another school, sit out a year, well, get more and then play, or do I just stay here and it's a bad team and nobody notices me anyway? So instead of spending another two years just sitting, not doing anything, he's just like, I need to go now, you know, type of thing. Um, which, you know, it's a tough decision. I mean, you know, because he, you know, he's at a he's at a team that isn't very good, um, which it isn't. I mean, they were not very good this year. Yeah, and, undeniable. Yes, <laughs> right. And transferring would mean having to sit out another year and then play. So right. that would that's way too long to like. You know, again, by that time, people are like, "Who's Aaron Jones?" And like, you know, that type of thing. And um, then and on top of, of that, the age the ageists would be like, "Oh my God, he's twenty three. Exactly. Uh, he's running exactly. back." Oh. So, Exactly. So it's it's a tough decision. I mean, it's it's just so. I mean, I get it. I mean, you know, he was a very productive player. He was at he was very productive at a bad school, but he did play against really good competition and play well. You know, played well. No matter who he suited up against, he played well. Yes. So I I I can't fault him there. Um, I think he's a guy that you know should find a camp and could become a team starter. You know. Could become a starter. Yeah. Could become a yet another member. Yep, another member of my all under appreciation. Go to the Giants, you know. Go to the Giants, that right. type of situation, and just kind of be the third. You know, you're like, you know, again, Giants. I know you gotta play play one guy. You know, this whole like <laughs> collecting more running back worked out <laughs> one year. I mean. Because the thing is, it worked really well for like two years when they had. You know, they had Earth, Wind, and Fire, Derek Ward, and Bob Bradshaw, Brandon Jacobs. That was cool. But that was like two years, and then it just is over. Like, that's not not how you do this. You know, those were all good running backs that ended up on the same team. The committee system wasn't what was driving that. It was the fact that you had these, this solid, you know, like the chemistry of the running back group. You know, had a lot of fairly talented running backs. You also had a really good offensive line at that time, you know, better than yeah. it is now. Um, much and better. Much better. So, you know, that that's what that was. Just because you, you can't just do the running back system over and over and over again. You have to start putting talent into that <laughs> system. And, you know, that's... That's, so that's the missing that's ingredient, I guess, is the magical missing a, a ingredient is talent. A little bit. Yeah, Aaron Jones is a guy that if he went to a team in the right situation, I think he's a starter. At the very least, he's a committee guy. But I think he can do a lot of different stuff. Then we get to the Virginia Tech guys. I mean, again, Isaiah Ford, I get it. Bucky Hodges, I don't like his tape. Then I kind of get it because everybody's saying you're going to be Jimmy Graham. You better test like Jimmy Graham. I don't say that much. Uh, he's better. And, 
and even then I would stay away early. I mean, there's a lot of think you talk about Juju Smith Schuster has a lot to learn. Yikes. Well, I don't really know what Bucky Haji does well. He doesn't block very well. He doesn't No. Um, he doesn't move block very well. He doesn't shield the eyes very well. He just you know, I don't He's much know why smaller he Isaiah Ford is a much better blocker. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is like it's gonna be. I don't even think he's six foot seven or six foot seven or whatever he is. Like I just don't even think that's. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but even if he, I even if he is, I don't care. All I did was see him go up against short DBs. I didn't see him go up against tall DBs. I saw him go up against like five nine DBs, and he looked taller than them. But it wasn't like six foot seven tall. You know, I don't know. But yeah, so he declared. And of course, Jared Evans declared, which doesn't make any sense. <sighs> but then again, he's uh, the thing is, junior college guys are kind of wired that way, in the sense that you know they go to a program and their main goal is to get to the next thing, and it just again it was like, oh, I got here and I got to go to the next thing, you know, like it's, and you know, I don't know, but yeah, he, I felt like that was a poor decision, but that happened. Washington had guys that make sense. You know, Buda Baker declared, Sidney Jones declared, John Ross declared, Elijah Quells declared. So that's the only one that was a little bit of a surprise, but because of the paucity of big, I mean, you know, enormous, big, largish dudes. I could see why he would feel like, well, well people have trouble finding, I don't know. But he's not really that big of a – he's basically like if Andy Vanderdose was good. It, you know, it's kind yeah. of – That's a way to put it, if Andy Vanderdose was good. He's, <laughs> he's kind Imagine of like A'shaun Robinson-ish, you know. Um, not as big as A'shaun Robinson, but like he played a lot of that sort of – you know, big BN stuff, um, you know, kind of doesn't quite have, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how big he is. What I saw was kind of a smallish D-tackle kind of thing. He's not bad. It's just he isn't, like, incredible. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. He's supposed to be in the low three. He's supposed to be in the low three teens, like, Three thirteen or something, three twelve, somewhere like that. Somewhere right. like that's what he's supposed to be. Now, obviously, you right, know, right. Yeah, you know, so, we'll I mean, he, he does some things that are, you know, that are interesting. Uh, Shelton Gibson declared from West Virginia, which I'm a little in. Um, I felt like his season was yeah, wasn't as greatest. And when he actually went up against a guy I consider to be NFL DB and Arian Pinson. He did he could do nothing, man. Like it was just right. everything he does well just was taken away and he was left with nothing. Um so I don't know. I'm just saying NFL DBs, Shelton Gibson watched that you know, that game, Missouri game. Uh but yeah, so that was kinda like that. And then we have three more guys who were almost done. Almost done. Ryan Ramchick from Wisconsin declared, also had a you know, surgery. I'm okay with Ramchick. Yeah, out, yeah, and I, I like him. Um, I'm not quite sure if he's a guard, but I still like him regardless. Uh, T.J. Watt also declared, who is 
This is my comparison right now. He's Shalit Calhoun, but good. He's a good mm-hmm. version of Shalit Calhoun. Or a better version of Shalit Calhoun, I should say. Um, right. Is he J.J. Watt? No. No. He's not J.J. Watt. So, he did win the Gillette genetic these, lottery of having that last name, which will keep in mind. I keep, push I him keep up this a, in mind. Round or round and a half. Exactly. Now, okay, keep this in mind. There, there are some positives for T.J. Watt. Well, one, he's related to the Watts. Uh, two, he was fairly productive. I mean, he was a productive player. Yeah. There were a lot of productive players, but he was productive for the position he played. Uh, but tape-wise, again, I just see sort of a rotational passenger. And there are a ton of guys that will go, well, look at his beautiful technique and – Look, he used the proper arm here, you know, to keep the distance. Like, okay, fine. Right. Kind of. He's a technician. True. That's true. Kind of. You're reaching, man. <laughs> like, I, you know, again, yeah, he is a good, solid rotational pass rusher. He's a guy that can sit the end. Like, as a number two pass rusher in a 3-4, you know, like a 3-4 outside linebacker in a 3-4 system, as your number two pass rusher, Yeah. Good, but you know, but how different but, is he from a from like a D two kid like Sam Van Ginkle? Now I know fewer yeah. people have seen Sam Van Ginkle, but I don't see a big difference, frankly, between T J Watt and Sam Van, Van Ginkle. Or Jimmy right, Gilbert. Right, right. You can get cheaper. <laughs> yes, good boy. A lot cheaper. So I mean, it's it's just the things he brings to the table. I mean, there's a lot of guys that do that, that do what he does, and he isn't. Like he isn't overly explosive. That's the main thing. Like I think he's he's definitely fluid. He's definitely uh, flexible, uh, but he just isn't very explosive. So right, which is not a terrible thing. It's just there isn't that sort of I don't know. As a pass rusher, he's There's just nothing he's a little bit lacking. Yeah, right. Nothing special. Good, but nothing special. Exactly. And then the last guy. Who's the last of the last? Number 92. We have Brian Hill from Wyoming running back. I like Brian Hill. Another guy, I mean, I understand running backs always like to declare, really, but I would love to see him, once again, not end up sort of lost in the sauce of this year's running back class. Exactly. Now, the good news is, so far, the other guy at Wyoming, He's been rumored to possibly be coming up. Hasn't been named yet in Josh Allen. Um, the bad news is, or at least the news, is that there actually was some agent funny business, you know, trying to push him to come out based oh, on geez. some NFL scouts liking him, telling the agent, the agent going, oh, I should go get this guy because he may be a top five pick or first rounder or because agents don't really watch tape or I don't know some of them do but some of them are just hey this scout likes them I want to get that money and you know hopefully it doesn't happen hopefully just Sean stays in school he needs to stay in school Um, and but you never know if he does come out it's just a bad you know it's kind of worse than Jared Evans at least Jared Evans has the one thing I'll say is you know everybody Everybody was like going, "Oh, you have to throw out the hurricane game for Trubisky and and uh, and Kaiser," 
you don't really have to throw out the hurricane game for Gerard Evans. Like he actually played <laughs> fairly well in hurricane. He actually time. did. Correct. So we well, a big, strong uh, kid for one thing. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's what they all say. Everybody's like, Oh, it was a hurricane for the tape off. Oh, not so fast. <laughs> you know, uh, this guy who <laughs> played well in a hurricane, you know, uh, he shouldn't have come out, but he definitely no. he didn't. He played a lot better than these other guys. So, uh, that, yeah. So again, a lot of players, a lot of players. Some of them really shouldn't have come out. Some of them are just coming up for. It's it's obvious why they came out. Some of them are just coming out because they just don't like school. Some of them are coming out because uh, they are just coming out. Like they bad advice, whatever. They just feel like that. And of course, other ones are coming out because of personal reasons. You know, they actually have. It's kind of someone like Artie Burns. You know, Artie Burns said, like, you know, a legit reason to come out, you know. Sure. Um, there was right. some I mean, like I said, there. hardship. The old term in the old days was to declare hardship because that's what you had to do in order to come out early. He legitimately had a hardship. Exactly. But some of these guys, hardship is a little stretching it you know, in terms of <laughs> hardship. Well, I'm so, not very rich. That's my heart. Let me just, yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, let me, what was I going to say? Let me ask you something. Um, so nobody from South Florida declared, declared early, right? Well, Marlon Mack declared. Oh, Mack did declare, okay. And I'm, yeah. I'm okay with Marlon. Okay, I thought. Okay, Marlon Mack is a guy that I, once again, all on my oh, yeah, own no, underappreciated last... team and every. Look, sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah, the last two guys I, I yeah, surprised I didn't mention is the Utah guys. Now, Utah guys don't usually declare it. <laughs> come out as old as possible. These guys decided to book the trend. Uh, but yeah, Marcus Williams declared and Garrett Bowles declared. The only thing I can say about Garrett Bowles is, again, he's... I don't want to say he's completely an Eric Galco creation. Again, what I'm <laughs> great and everything, uh, they definitely got some, as far as I can understand it, a scout told out to scouting, hey, Garrett Bowles, you got to check this guy out. So they did. And there's nothing wrong with Gary Bowles. I just look at a guy like Eric Ostell and, you know, all these other sort of guys, and I'm like, I mean, sure, Gary Bowles is athletic, but he's really guard-ish. You know, like he plays tackle, but he's kind of short. He's kind of stout. He does move well in space, but it's moving well in space to the guard. Like, to me... Tackle, yeah, you want tackles that move well in space in the in certain schemes. But with him, I just feel like his it's more like Batonio is ish, I guess, in terms of like his size, his frame, how he looks, his arm, like everything kind of screams guard. And I just think it's kind of surprising that a guy would declare early who is a guard kind of next level. I don't know. And also tape-wise, I think, again, there's a lot more players out there that were a little bit more impressive at guard um, than um, than him. But I don't know. He, but he's definitely one of those guys. Kind of, like, of course, Marcus Williams, like I said, declared also as a safety who is a little overhyped. I mean, I don't think he's bad. I just – there's a lot of people who kind of lose their mind over Marcus Williams. But um, I don't know. What, what are your – I don't know. I guess he's the last guy. Like, what are your thoughts on like Marcus Williams as a safety? I like Mark Williams just fine, but he's like my safety seven or something. I'd have to go back and check to be certain. But I mean, I might be slightly exaggerating, but I don't think I'm exaggerating by much. Um, I like 
Tedrick, the aforementioned Tedrick Thompson um, is someone I like better. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a, I think this is actually a better, I hear people whining about the safety class. And I don't get it. Now, there are certainly years and where I joined in the chorus of whining. This is not one of those years, at least not for, for me. Oh, it's a I great safety class. I mean, now again, right. I've said this before and I was wrong, but it's a really good safety class. Like, it. Shalom Lonnie is another underrated guy from Washington State. Yep. Like, you know, there's a lot of safeties in the class. A lot of guys that can do a lot of different things. Some of kind them of Kua. are. Yeah, kind of Kua. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of guys. Now, again, there's some guys who can only do certain things. Uh, I think that's the right. thing, really. People are like, oh, well, he doesn't do, he does this, or he doesn't do this. But that's like most safeties, man. I mean, that's. Like, you have guys who are starters who do one thing well and don't do anything. You know, Chris Conti, for example. But, like, you know, you have other things you've got to do a little bit. Different. Like, that's what makes them all-star players is they can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, all that kind of stuff. We definitely don't have a ton of all-stars in the Cisco's, but we definitely have a lot of guys who can do a lot of things at a fairly high level or a very, very good level, um, which I think would constitute a good safety class. But, you know, but then again – as we say a lot, most people don't like watching safety. All the and the other thing too, most of the cutups for safeties on draft breakdown are like really bad. To be honest, um, I know some people go, "Well, it's the camera angle and all this," but eh, you know, like they kind of the plays they pick sometimes are, you know, to me, you you, you sure. I mean, having you know all twenty two. Definitely get to see if they made mistakes uh, is a, kind of the biggest thing is, you know, how many mistakes they, they possibly made in coverage. But at the same time, a safety ultimately has to make a tackle and, you know, get from point A to point B. Like, you can you can get some of that information. Like, it, it's safety is a black box to a certain extent in that you see the beginning and then something happens, and then at the end you see the finished product. But you can get a lot of information from what happens at the start what happens at the end, and for whatever reason, cutouts are never really done that well to kind of emphasize those sort of things. But yeah, so, but yeah, this, again, this is a fairly decent safety class. Um, defensively, I mean, this is a really strong defensive class in general, um, to be honest, yes, which yeah. is why most people don't like it, I guess. But it's, you know, overall defensively, if you need if you're a team that needs defense, Pittsburgh, you know, Raiders, all those guys, I think you'll come out with something interesting, you know, if you, you know, play your cards right. I'm talking to you, Buffalo. There's a whole bunch of teams, actually, we can <laughs> identify that could use the ability to stop other teams from scoring practically at will on them. Uh, Chicago could use some components on the... It is a, I mean, it's hard uh, to think of teams. Yeah, that, but... But Chicago has the problem, man. They got Ryan Pace, and, you know, Ryan Pace doesn't want to – I don't know. But, yeah, the, the the Bears – my biggest issue with the Bears is they, they seem to want to run a 3-4 defense without 3-4 personnel, which <laughs> never – That makes it fun. That makes never it. works. It never works. Um, and – just because you get a guy who's six one, three hundred twenty pounds, doesn't mean that he's a, a nose tackle either. Because there's too much of that as well. <laughs> you know, like oh, you're 
six foot one, three hundred and thirty pounds, your nose tackle. Mm-hmm. Not really. Not all the time. You might just be a really, you know, big puffy three check, you know, that's playing nose tackle. Yeah. It might just be a big puffy three check. Yeah. The world's full of puffy three checks. I'm looking at you, Eddie Vanderdose. Um, or whatever it is he turns out to be, whatever it is. He <laughs> um, yeah, who is it you said, Eddie Vanderdose, but good? Um, oh, Elijah Quill. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Right, right. Yes, that's a good line, actually. <laughs> yeah, there's some. I mean, it's an interesting group of defensive players, as you said. It'll be interesting to see just how teams do end up valuing some of these these players. But, uh, you know, that's, yeah, uh, that's, I mean, you and I will both be sort of watching with great interest as some of this plays out. So, if some of these players have not signed with agents, they still can return. Um, like I said, I wish they would adopt the NBA rule where even if the draft takes place, as long as you haven't signed with an agent, you can still go back to school, but uh, they have not uh, done so <laughs> regarding that. So some of these players will end up stuck, and every once in a while we'll hear somebody talk about a D-League, and you know it never seems to actually come to anything. So off to Canada. Uh, with you young men for the most case, or arena leagues, which are both not, I mean, they're not truly developmental for two reasons. One is both of them play games that are not the same as the NFL, especially arenas, you know, a complete, almost a completely different sport. I mean, it's, 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 it's about 25% like hockey, you know, <laughs> obviously, you know, in a way, um, you know, it's like 75% football, 25% hockey. You know, you have, you know, guys playing both ways and playing positions that don't even exist in, you know, more conventional NFL football. And obviously the CFL has not huge rule differences, but some significant, even if not huge rule differences about how the game is actually played. But, you know, it does bother me that, you know, we just, Supposedly, this year the number is supposed to go down a little bit with the number of, of underclassmen declaring because they're going to make changes about how they're going to advise them or only give grades to a certain number. Like if you don't get a, what was it? Is this year it was, if you don't get a second round or above, they don't give you a grade at all or something like that? Um, or only I think the new, yeah, the new rule, yeah, the new rule is, uh, yeah, if you the players that are returning to college football can participate in pro days at their school. Um, so instead of, like, I remember the rule, like, Miles Jack went to the UCLA pro day one day and he just kind of waved at people and sat down. Um, <laughs> instead of that, he could actually have participated in the pro day uh, now. So if you're an underclassman, you can actually do the pro days right. and do all the testing stuff, right. uh, which is going to make my life uh, harder, um, but yeah. So oh, harder. Oh. <laughs> well, only because like you're gonna have stuff like, well, he tested like this as a sophomore, and he tested the combine like this. So is the sophomore this, or is the combine? You got under something. So oh, like, there's, uh, right. Okay. Okay. I got you saying yes. Yeah. 
it's going to add another layer of stuff to the table in terms of inconsistencies and other sort of stuff. Basically, Anthony Barr ran a four four one at his uh, pro day and a four six at the combine. So, right. who's telling and, the truth? You know, like stuff like that. Well, my guess is he's about four five three. The combine is exhausting. Sure. The combine is. Ex- I get and, it, but. <laughs> As always, again, you're just, you're trying to find it with anything, whatever thing you're measuring, you want to have the environment to be the same. The combine is right, growing, but right. everybody goes to the same thing, and people come out oh, a certain sure. way. Right. So it's it's the same argument that people go, oh well, they just take a bunch of steroids, so they throw off everything. Well, like again, I'm just saying, it's a lot of them take steroids. A lot of them take. You know, a lot of them are doing things. Some of them are doing things illegally, but. Regardless, most people are doing things like you can't just like go, oh, you have to throw everything out because so and so took a bunch of steroids. Like it's just, you know, I don't know, it's just kind of dumb because there's a a good percentage who are, I guess is what I'm trying to say, um, or at least it's something that you, regardless of the steroids or not, they're this athletic. I guess is also what I'm trying to say. So, um, but yeah, so like there's a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, so for the most part, that's really what it is. Underclassmen can do that. Uh, which they'll provide better feedback when – oh, yeah, and that's the other thing, too, is that agents can talk to them, scouts can talk to them, um, and stuff like that to kind of advise them to be better. If you think on And also, like, suggest they'll go back to school to uh, improve. I think that's the other thing, too, is, like, they give – oh, yeah, that's the other thing, too, is they give, like, a – you either get first round grade, second round, third round grade, and then after that they give a thing basically telling you to go back to school. Is the that's other what was. Yeah, so it's third, right? Third, third, so that's that's right. So anything below third, they tell you to go back to school. Right? But obviously not everybody listens. <laughs> no, of course not, because I mean, again, these are very young people who, you know, I mean, it's tough. You know, you're just like, ah, oh, I can make all this money, you know, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, so that's big. But the big thing is just the pro day stuff. That's a big thing for me, at least, because you'll get all these reported stuff and there'll be lots of people going, oh, you know, like I could just see it now. Justice will already be anointing force players before they even, you know, declare. <laughs> so like, that's going to be the next sort of uh, uh, thing. I guess, but yeah, so that's another sort of thing. Right. You know, so it's been interesting to see, like I said, the um, how some of these players obviously physically test, you brought that up. That'll be interesting. I think uh, what the all-star game opportunity is to see, like I said, for me, I want to see how guys how guys pick things up, learn certain things. And then we probably get to get them officially weighed and measured, and then you get to see which guys change the most in terms of weight and in a few cases even height between there and the combine. Because as you pointed out, you know, which one's right or which one's true or whatever. I mean, even at the combine, you'll see a guy who's, you know, Usually it's well, an eighth of an inch or something. The best example, 
the best example I have, which is why you have to pay attention throughout the process, is Allen Robinson, and that he went to the combine. He was 220 pounds, and he ran 4.6. So the pro day comes around. He was reported to weigh 209 pounds, and he ran 4.47, which it can happen. It makes sense. Uh, but sure. it dramatically changes things. Uh, and oftentimes, NFL draft scouts um, kind of get on them a little bit. They don't fix those things. They're kind of lazy sure. with, right. like, if they go to the combine and they weigh, and they are height and weight, and they go to the pro day, they keep it the same way, which isn't the case. Usually it's always different, um, and they don't seem to change that. So as a result, if you're collecting this data, like basically it's like this. Alan Robinson's combine data based on his performance at his pro day, if you kept it at two twenty, that's like one of the best wide receiver performances in the last twenty years. But if you are like me and you actually tracked like what he actually weighed at his pro day for real, like what was actually reported at his pro day, it makes um it's still good. Still a good test, but it's also closer to kinda of, kinda of like what he is, which is a above average wide receiver, but not like a top 10 percentile athlete in terms of any one particular thing. Um, so I, it's just stuff like that that I think if you don't pay attention to things in the pro day process, you can kind of make mistakes. And if you make mistakes, then you get the problems. And most, most evaluations, you know, you want to make sure that whatever number you're getting is accurate and, uh, you know, is repeatable as well. So, um, but that's the big thing for me, at least, is repeatable and accurate with most of the stuff that you get. And that's, yeah, that is interesting. Like I said, we all sort of try to figure out, you know, what, you said, what's true. I mean, there, as a, we mentioned on a previous show about, I think, combines and pro days, there are certain schools where I just know, you know, they have a, a reputation. Some of them just have a, Virginia Tech, Syracuse, certain schools where you just know to add, you know, 12 one-hundredths or six one-hundredths or whatever it is to everything you get from certain schools because they just have an established track record of making guys faster. And there's somewhere they have a reputation of being, you know, if not 100% dead on, closer to right. You know, so you may you may add nothing or you may add just your just takes, you know, three or just add on three one hundredths or, you know, so, I mean, it's sort of a, you know, dangerous game or whatever to some extent, but if you do track, you know, the combine data for forties and three cones and basically everything that's timed and you match it up against what consistently comes from, you know, the school's pro days, you get a good sense of, you know, what the spread is. You know what the difference tends to be between oh, yeah. I mean, this, you, this, yeah. You can figure that stuff out, uh, but I just kind of like to treat everything, you know, treat everything as it is. Like, this is what this time was at this particular event. This is what, and that's why usually when I do my data stuff, I add a mark of this was a pro day. Like, I put all the pro day stuff in red, and that's just to, like, remind me that, okay, this is from a pro day. That way, if somebody was to question me about the data or, like, where did you get this, I would have the source, like, oh, well, this was at the pro day, this was at the combine. Because there are some people who ask for, like, 
could you just do just combine and like okay I'll do that um but it is it it just is something where again you but the other thing too is this is that NFL teams and coaches admit that which is the thing I, I this it's the thing that frustrates me also is like data is one thing but when you have coaches and other sort of people who are trying to skirt data like one best example is Nick Saban you know he actually said this, <laughs> where he was on a team, I think it was the Cleveland Browns, um, and he had a safety, and he really liked the safety, but he didn't have a very good wonderlick score. So he spent some time with him, coached him up, so to speak, <laughs> on the test, and gave him the test again and gave him an extra hour to complete the test also, which messes with things as well because you're, you're letting them, you know, again, you're giving them extra time to take the it's test. A time, it's a time test, yeah. It's a time test. So you're giving them double the amount of time that everybody else was given. Like, if you gave everybody two hours time, they probably would do better, too. Uh, you did all that stuff, and then you finally met the threshold and then went from there. A lot of that happens with scouts as well, where you'll have a scout that really likes a the player. They do that timed event. They don't do very well. Or they know that this isn't the right number, but they know this number is better, so I'm going to go with that number because I like the guy and I want it to be better because I like him. And again, that's how mistakes get made. You have to have the discipline to, you know, again, be strong with that. And yeah, you know, sure. I may like a guy, but I also have to live with the fact that he didn't test very well on this thing or he didn't test very well on that thing. Um, and that's, that's all I can really say is too many teams try to skirt the rules, you know, at times for guys that they like, and it happens a lot, you know. Because, again, if you really like Anthony Barr and he goes to the pro and runs 4-4-1, then you're going to go, hey, you ran 4-4-1. You don't think there's anything wrong with that number? I really like him. I bet he ran, you know what I mean? So there's uh, too much. It, it kind of works with confirmation bias, too, to a certain extent. But, you just again, you just want to make sure that whatever number you're using is as accurate as possible. Um and because otherwise, again, you make mistakes. You just do um, all the time. You're going to make a ton of mistakes if you just kind of guess and you're not exact in any one of your different things. It just throws everything off. So um, that's the only thing I'd really say is you just want to make sure that everything you have is accurate, treat everything as it is, and treat everything separate to a certain extent. Um, you know. And again, I use protein numbers too. If I don't have any other numbers... I use pro day numbers, but at least I acknowledge that this is coming from a less reliable source versus this other data, which is coming from the combine. Right. Yeah, so... Since, obviously, I mean, you, you look at a lot of things, but I guess I will let you do a little bit of, of grocery shopping specifically for the Raiders. If indeed the Raiders had dispatched you to go to East-West uh, or had dispatched you to, you know, patch the holes that they have there, tell me who or what would be some of the things that you would be uh, – you'd have on your on your list and who are some of the players you think might help you to scratch those things off your list? Well, first off, quarterback, definitely. I mean, I like Derek Carr, 
but we need somebody behind us that can do some stuff, at least the third string guy. Because, again, I wasn't a big Connor Cook fan coming out. Uh, and it's, yeah. So I would be looking at Alex Torgerson a lot. Cooper Rush is a classic West Coast guy, kind of guy. He fits kind of what they do. Nate Peterman also does. Uh, Zach Terrell as well. Hey, Zach Terrell, he'd be better than Connor Cook. He probably would be able to complete more passes <laughs> than what Connor Cook did. So, yeah, there there's, would be those types of players that I would look at as well. Uh, I'd be looking at the tight ends. I, You know, again, Anthony Eclair I think is, is interesting. Eric Saber is interesting. Offensive line-wise, I'd be looking for tackles because we really need tackles. Eric Magnuson is kind of a perfect – guy for us. Dan Skipper is kind of a decent right tackle. Eric Ostell is also kind of an interior guy, but could play could play right tackle. Justin Senor, same difference. But yeah, all those guys are impressive. All the DBs that I just mentioned would be guys I'd be looking at uh, because we need DBs. We need safeties. We need DBs. Linebacker-wise, I again, Calvin Munson is impressive. Jayon Brown would be Interesting to add as sort of a day three guy, Kenneth Alugbede. Awan Price would also be kind of cool as a pass rusher. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, yeah. but all yeah, those would. guys would be the big – I mean, the biggest thing to me would be secondary because we need another safety. Again, guys like Chadrick Thompson, Xavier Woods, you know, all those guys would be guys that would be good ads for depth and for guys that could be starters cornerback-wise. We just need guys that – we just need a really good nickel safe. Like, again, Arian Pinson would be a guy that I would be very upset about if we didn't get – because Reggie McKenzie's big thing, his emphasis at cornerback is tall and length, which I get that if you're looking for upside. The problem is is you're not going to find three Darrell Revises. You know, like there's only one Darrell Revis. Um, and you're going to find one of those guys. You're rarely find two of those guys in one draft um, that fit all those physical characteristics. So we get a lot of guys who fit those physical characteristics but don't play, like, again, Sean Smith I've never really been the biggest fan of, um, and it's, I mean, this whole height emphasis, I get it because you're looking for upside, but there's guys like Arian Pinson who can actually help you in nickel, who can actually help you in those situations. They can actually play cornerback really well um, and make plays. So I think he's one of the guys that I definitely would want them to really go get because he, he I, I don't care that he's 5'9". I don't care about this stuff. He makes plays. And he also helps out a lot in the middle of the field as a nickel corner. Um, so there's a lot of things that he brings to the table from that standpoint that I, I really – uh, you know, really think would help us out a lot. Uh, but, yeah, all those guys would be really be in. And, of course, Jimmy Gilbert as well. You know, we need another pass rusher. Uh, it's not working out with Jihad Ward at all. Uh, Mario Edwards Jr. is, you know, Mario Edwards Jr. I mean, that's all I can say. He was injured for most of this year. So there's not a lot, there's not a lot you can do about that, but – I still think we need to get more depth at that spot and guys like Awan Price and uh, Jimmy Gobert would be good additions for that sort of thing. But for the most part, that would be all the guys I would be looking at um, is is 
offensive tackle, secondary, and pass rusher for the most part, and also a quarterback. Because, again, Zach Terrell, just saying, if Zach Terrell was the backup for the Raiders, things might have been better. These might have been <laughs> passes would have been completed. I'll just say that much. If Zach Terrell was the guy, so uh, if Cooper Rush was the guy, if Alex Torgerson again, Hunter Cook was one of the guys where, as a high school player, he was about two out of a hundred when it came to his touch interception ratio and completion percentage combined coming out of high school. Um, took him a long time to get to the top of the heap at Michigan State and even then had some struggles, had some things on tape that were so I I don't know, man. I don't know. We just need to address that. Derek Carr will come back. He is gonna be healthy, but I still think that backup quarterback is something that we can improve upon and there's a lot of these guys. Most of those guys are gonna be, you know, day two, day three guys and I think they'd be good pickups if the value is there. So and I think it will be. Well, we certainly we shall see. If there's as I said, there's certainly some some things that I'll be very fascinated to see uh what the outcome is, how it works. You know, who the who, the what, the when, the where, the how. Um I guess if I were doing sort of the same exercise, I suppose, I would have real interest uh in guys like Desmond King. Devontae Casey. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting. Your boy, Arian Fenton. Um, Brandon Langley. Dante Blackman. I mean, there's a, this is a, a pretty darn deep and interesting class of sort of outside corners and slot corners or nickels or whatever you want to call them. Uh, I guess sort of on the I mean, everybody could use pass rushers, and this would be a good year to certainly snag one. You know, I could certainly the aforementioned Randy Allen, who, you know, thus far has gotten little to no love on draft Twitter, but I think could be a 3-4 outside linebacker, uh, someone I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, don the black and gold. Uh, I'm still not wild about our tight end selections, and obviously, you know, this is not a great time to to go looking, I suppose, in terms of this particular class, but there's a couple of guys that are of interest to me. I mean, if the trend is to guys that are more pass receivers as opposed to what most the Pittsburgh guys have been, who are either, you know, guys who could do both as a classic in-line Y, like Keith Miller, or guys who are sort of, you know, blockity, block, block, block. And I guess they experimented in Ladarius Green with trying to bring more of your steam stretcher, but he seemed uh, between not being able to stay healthy and not, I don't know, seemingly being able to grasp his responsibilities on the offense or whatever, seemed not to do much this year. You know, but I can't help but wonder, yeah, exactly, you know, if they were able to, you know, toss, like I said, somebody like Everett or, uh, you know, somebody. Uh, maybe your guy, Mr. Schreff, somebody. Uh, obviously, he's more of a, you know, old school, 
blocky, block, 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 and also who could give you a little more as a um, as a receiver. So he's you know, not a burner, but then neither was Heath Miller. Uh, I think he my what I heard around people from the years of Virginia that before getting hurt at his junior day, um, he runs something like four eight eight. You know, but he still managed to have a very fine NFL career. And we mentioned some safeties. Um, I would have no problem with a guy like Kai Nakua. Uh, I have no problem with, you know, you mentioned Tedrick Thompson. That's someone I'm a fan of. Now, there's a few guys that I uh, that I would enjoy, you know, be happy to see. And though, you know, obviously running back's on a desperate need, I would like to see Anthony, a.k.a. Ace Wales from uh, Western Kentucky, or maybe James Saunders from Tulsa. I mean, there's a lot of He's at the third and down back types to be had all throughout this this draft. And I would not be one of those people who's lining up to snatch a guy like Alvin Kamara in the second if I know that I can get, you know, ace whales in the fifth or sixth. Uh, there's just a lot of really, really good running backs, obviously. And you can, I mean, I know people like to say you can get fine running backs anywhere and all that good stuff, but. What I think is definitely true this year is that there's, you know, good running backs that will be found all throughout this this particular draft. I would agree with that. Um, let's see. In terms of offensive line, you know, your guy Magnuson, I would not at all be upset if I was able to, you know, pick him up. Uh, I mean, I guess if we could get Ramzik in the second or third, I guess third preferably, I wouldn't feel too bad about that either. Uh, I think who else or what else? Yeah, I guess that's probably how I would sort of approach it. Um, I mean, obviously, we've got a pretty decent wide receiver set up. Probably would pick one up, you know, very late or possibly even. I mean, if, I mean, if Kevin Lucas is, you know, there in the fifth or sixth, which, you know, probably shouldn't be, but I can't rule it out, um, I wouldn't turn that down. I don't know why there's more love for Kevin Lucas. Either. That's another one of those guys where I just, I just shake my head. Like, the people are finally sort of waking up to Taiwan Taylor, but still I see, you know, no love for Kevon Lucas. Now let me see something. Uh, I'm trying to anybody else that I would turn. I mean, like I said, I guess just, Based on best best available athlete, if you know I'm in the late third and you know 
or late fourth even, if I'm in the late fourth and Taiwan Taylor's just there, you know, I would probably just, you know, just just on general principle, I'd probably take him anyway, just because, you know, why would you not? Um, he would be fun. I'm trying to think of maybe even some of the interior um, offensive linemen. You know, maybe look at some of them somewhere in the in the middle rounds as well. So yeah, that makes sense. I guess thinking about some of those guys, if, if indeed they might be available as well. Let me see. You've got, I guess, guys like Elfline. I'm trying to think of um, who might, well, whatever. I guess you can't go wrong with several of them now I think about it. Let me see. I'm trying to think of what else. Yeah, I guess I would probably do <laughs> in terms of just some of the, the shopping. Uh, I guess last but not least, sort of last thing to hit upon, sort of some of the hot topics. So this is also a season of leakage. Um, Anonymous Scout and his ilk or whoever are starting to, or Anonymous Agent or whoever it is, is starting to, you know, little things are starting to seep out about certain players, you know, maybe being, you know, guys who may have used certain substances. Uh, oh, yeah, maybe Yes, that would be one of the guys that there's, you know, a certain amount of smoke, well, maybe a certain was, amount of fire. Yeah, right. He had, a, he had a pistol. Now, again, he's in Alabama. Everybody has a pistol. But you still got to have a for it. Um, right. Yeah. There was that. But there apparently was a report that it's Randy Gregory level Wheaties. Now, I kind of doubt that only because – Right, Gregory smoked a lot of weed. I'm just saying, like, yes. it was right. a lot. Um, Tim Williams obviously, you know, apparently reported that he, uh, you know, missed multiple substance abuse tests uh, in terms of drug testing, um, which Alabama didn't really do anything about because, you know, they're Alabama. But at the same time, <laughs> right, and he's good. Bring up <laughs> Alabama. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, I mean. Great, but it's another thing of like if Tim Williams doesn't become a good player, blame the weed. It was the weed. It wasn't his talent. He was gonna be an All Pro, but it was the weed. Same thing as Randy Gregory. Uh, Despite the fact that there's some things on tape and production wise that would say that he was gonna be good, not great, but there's still some of that stuff. It's going to come out, and then it's just another thing because the NFL really doesn't know how to deal with weed, only in the sense of they know to suspend you for a bunch of games, but it doesn't really solve the problem. Um, <laughs> no. And even then, in Josh the Gordon's case, I mean, this is the thing about Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon got in trouble for weed one time, well, actually more than once, but all of his resuspensions was over alcohol. It wasn't over weed. It was over... You know, again, because when you're in that program, you can't have any substances, um, alcohol, whatever. So, um, but again, it just deals with self-control and those other issues. 
But that's another thing is Tim Williams may not be this top 10 pick, which he already, to me, was really skeptical to a top 10 pick to take a guy like that who is barely productive at all, who, you know, may test really well, but it's really dependent on that. I mean, and even in, and even after all that, you better have like a Rob Marinelli type of coach to get the most out of them. Like you have to have, you know, upper level coaching and scheming to be able to utilize him the best way because he's just behind the ball and in, in a lot of different things. So it's just another thing to add. I, again, do I believe that all this stuff is true? Well, according to sources, it, it is. Will it affect how I value him? Not really because, I already kind of saw him as sort of a late first kind of day two guy. If this drops him to day two, I don't really, just in my own mind, it doesn't really hurt him that much. But it is something that if it is true that he failed multiple drug tests, when will the NFL start to treat this as not a draft him in the second round thing, but a not draft him at all thing because of how much money you lose theoretically. I mean, if you lose a guy, for a year, two years, three years due to drug use or you don't get anything out of them and they get paid $2 million a year, $1 million a year, whatever, um, you're losing money. You know, If they're not on the field, you're losing money. So I just kind of wonder when the NFL might treat drug use uh, as a little bit more serious and just, oh, drug use, draft them in the second round, that's worth the risk, I guess is all I'm trying to say. Right. Right. Yeah, I could tell you that, you know, I was one of those people that thought that even amongst sort of the DPR types on his own team, he wasn't the best of them that I saw. I was more of a, you know, Ryan uh, Anderson guy. Anderson guy. Yeah. (laughs) Who I thought should probably do a few more things. I mean, the biggest thing to me, at least, and this is also my California mentality, but also just facts. Like, eventually, weed is going to be illegal. Eventually, you know, it's it's going to be a thing where it's no big deal. It's like any other sort of substance, uh, for the most part. Because medically speaking, like, it, it, you know, again, it, it, you get high off alcohol, you get high off weed. At least that's my mentality. Um, and there are consequences to both, uh, to a certain extent. Yes. But... At the same time, like, eventually we'll get to that point. But we're not there yet. So, as a result, like, you can't just fast forward 10 years, 20 years, whatever, um, when everything kind of goes to the sort of lax attitude. Or not really lax, but just, like, treating it as, like, any other drug uh, that can be abused. It's always bad to abuse drugs, but at the same time, it's something that some people like to do because of recreational reasons. We're not there yet. As a result, I don't know what else to say about it. I just feel like yeah, I don't really think that you should suspend a guy over weed because I really don't care if a guy does weed. But where we are right now, you know, as a team, you're missing games. Like, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, it's just not, um, you know, it is what it is. It's illegal, so don't do it. But I don't know. I, I just think that NFL, a lot of people know the NFL is so strict against, at least, I think NFL teams are really not that strict in the sense of how they view it, I guess, because of how high guys have gone and being busted with it. But I don't know. 
that's the one thing I'll something I was gonna say because I mean Chandler Jones did basketball for crying out loud, like he's still playing. So I mean, there's just lots of things there that I think it's gonna be kind of interesting to see where it goes in the future in terms of set of right now. Yeah, Vaughn just likes to keep it to um to like party drugs or whatever. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it, yeah. yeah, I know you're, I you're doing chicken. right. I know you have. I know you've been doing sort of some character metric stuff, and I'll be interested to see exactly where that takes you. But the things I look for, you know, obviously, you want to know repetition. You know, is this something this person not only has done, but it has done repeatedly? That matters to me a great deal when I try to figure out. You know, character stuff, whether it be you know smacking your pregnant girlfriend, whether it be drugs and drinking, whether it be you know driving really fast, or I mean anything, any of the you know, long list of and you know long you know, lengthy number about of different types of anti-social things that a person can commit. I my main concern if I'm an evaluator is, as you said, will this prevent you from being able to play football, uh, since that's kind of the thing I'm trying to hire you well, on to do. Well, that's my big thing. I mean, that's what I consider to be a character issue because, like, we've had, as you know, Bill, we've had lots of guys that have had issues with things, substances, violence, whatever, but they saw the field and were dominant player. You like, you know, it wasn't to the extent. Uh, extent that it affected their play on the football field or affected their ability to play football. So in many ways, that's really what I care. And I, what I really think NFL teams really care about is really does this affect their ability to actually play on the football field um, and not miss games. So if it gets to that point, that is a problem. If it doesn't get to that point, then it isn't a problem. But I just think things like weed and, and things like that are, are big issues. These are issues that, you know, are are things that ultimately are going to affect your ability to play in the football field. Because there are guys that are, I hate to really say this, but like there's a lot of, domestic violence has always been a big issue, but at the same time, you don't hear about guys being out of the NFL for three, four years over domestic violence issues. You hear about that with drug issues. Um, And at the very least, the only reason why guys with domestic violence issues end up not being or playing for the most part has a lot to do with how much publicity that issue got, you know, like Ray Rice and, you know, stuff like that um, for the most part, even though Ray Rice was a little long in the tooth. I mean, he already was at that point in his career, he was pretty spent, you know, in terms of, you know, he was injured definitely, but, um, He's a little, you know, on the on the end of his tail end of his career, but um, but yeah, I don't, it's it's just interesting. But that's really what I care about when it comes to character. Is really is that is it an issue that can be fixed if you change the environment of a guy? You know, Tyron Matthew is probably the best example of a guy that was in a situation, was at a party, smoked some weed, got in trouble, um, and for the most part, got put into a new environment, you know, a completely different place, Arizona, obviously, and 
around right people isn't going to do. Again, if you put people in environments where there's all these people around you that are doing drugs, it's the same as even a locker room. If you go to a, a football locker room and everybody in the football locker room, you know, does drugs and stuff, you're probably going to do drugs too because everybody around you is doing drugs. So it's controlling the environments that they're in. And sometimes it's also thinking, can you control this environment? Because there's also lots of guys that, you know, can't control, you know, the people that are, they just seem to be drawn to those types of people. Uh, Johnny Manziel, for example, too. And I'm not saying that it's all on his friends around him, but most reports where he had a lot of friends around him that were, you know, letting him do a lot of things he shouldn't have been doing. And it kind of continued on from there. Yes, that's that's my concern as well, that figuring out, you know, I mean, there's, I don't want to go over Joe Mixon again, but somebody's going to probably somewhere, I know some people are still talking about first, second. I don't, I think the market begins from somewhere in the latter part of the third. And somebody's going to decide to bite that particular bullet and pull him in. You know, obviously, nightmare scenario for the NFL if he somehow ended up a Patriot, where uh, he probably would toe the line because almost everyone else has, no matter what their past background may have been. And wherever he ends up, they will, you know, you better have a plan, a plan for personal development, a plan to deal with uh, some backlash, and then hopefully a plan to do some things in terms of community based outreach that probably deals with, you know, the issues of battered women. I mean, you've got some, you know, some work to do, some wood chop in terms of letting women know that you care about well, them. And, and it's mm-hmm. about actually showing some remorse, you know, because yeah, that too. for the most part, he hasn't really shown any remorse. I mean, his his standpoint from the very beginning was it wasn't me, it was her. You know, she right. said a word to me, insulted me, and I punched her in retaliation. You know, she pushed me. It felt like a man was pushing me, and she called me that, and oh, I freaked right. out. Like, there's no remorse to that. There's no, I'm sorry, you know, I shouldn't have done this. There's none of that. Um, it's Now, of course, some of it is like getting out of a lawsuit, obviously, which already was a lawsuit anyway. There's going to be a lawsuit anyway, you know, but... At the same time, I mean, it's not showing, and then you add on top of that all the other, like, the, it's pretty clear based on his actions, because actions speak a lot of the words, that he has anger problems. Um, yes. It's just a matter of, okay, what do you do? This guy, do you get him to, you know, do you kind of get him to seminars? You do this, you do that. Um, what type of environment do you want to put him in? Because the only nightmare scenario scenario with Joe Mixon is if he gets in the NFL and he does another thing, you know, like hits a woman, whatever, again, um, that's going to be everywhere, man. You know, like NFL team, you know, sees tape, doesn't care, does it again. Like you're just enabling guys like that. But, and he's also a really young player. I mean, he's going to be one of the youngest players in this class. So, um, so you got that stuff to deal with as well. Immaturity anyway, which was obvious. But, um, you know, I really don't know. I don't know how teams will deal with it. I just know that most teams just evaluate talent first and then they worry about character second. 
I still think he'll probably be a day two guy, but again, I just don't. It's about when teams want to risk it. I mean, Lyle Collins, for example, was a guy who had virtually nothing off the field, had a one of the weirdest issues ever in terms of being, you know, a murder suspect for a minute, you know, a person of interest anyway. And no NFL team wanted to touch him whatsoever because they because of just the possible chance of him being a, a murderer, which he wasn't, but um it's I don't know. It's just odd. I mean, it's going to be another one of those case sort of thing. I mean, DGB, you know, had weed, but not only that, he pushed a woman down a flight of stairs. Like, there's lots of stuff there. Still one second round uh, because he had the quote-unquote traits. Uh, so it's you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Nixon. That's, that's definitely true. Yeah, that's – I mean, clearly there's no answer. Um, I mean, no, no simple answer to something like this. You know, so that's something we will continue to explore. I'm in the process of seeing if I can finalize a couple of uh, NFL prospects for the Saturday show. So I will tweet out everyone who is who I do lock down tonight for that show, and I'll send out an email regarding that. Uh, any other things that you've been working on, Jim, that people should know about? Uh, exciting stuff, fun stuff, uh, things that might help people to learn more and and maybe understand better how the evaluation process works, any of that stuff that you've been up to. Sure. Well, you know, most of the stuff I've done, you know, I did a a Shrine Game uh, guide. I did a Senior Bowl guide, Prospect guide. And the guide is basically my film grades, which everybody does, and the just metrical checklist. Everybody says check all the boxes. Well, all the stuff I had has all the boxes to check off. So it's production boxes, it's height boxes, arm length, you know, hand size. So a lot of the stuff that people really have a hard time really understanding, it kind of answers a lot of those questions. So um, that stuff has already been up for a while. You know, it's on my Twitter page. So um, uh, I pinned it there. So you can check all that stuff out. I'm also working on a free agency, NFL free agency piece, but a metrical look at free agency uh, because I always find free agency fascinating because of how often teams overspend. <laughs> like they spend a lot of money on guys that sometimes don't really work out. Um, you know, there's lots of reasons to pay people, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, I'm going to be doing another one of those things. And, of course, I'm going to the Shrine game. Uh, next week to watch practices. I'm going to be doing a couple articles uh, there, some player interviews, that kind of stuff. So that's what will be coming out as well next week. And it's going to be a pretty busy week. So I probably will be just kind of focusing all that next week. And then, uh, and of course, the Senior Bowl is the week after that. And then, so it's, whew, it's going to be a lot of work over the next yes. two, <laughs> three, four weeks in terms of everything. So, yeah. Yeah, the, the dog days of draft Twitter. Uh, yes. I'm in the process of finishing off my top 100, which will eventually turn into my top 500. I mean, I, I kind of pretty much know everybody and every, where they'll be in order. I am trying to check that against, you know, the 92, as you said, underclassman declaration. So that means that Dory Jackson still has not declared. As you mentioned, Josh Allen. Uh, there's a few other big names that haven't declared yet. And, if they stay out, it'll simplify my life in terms of my uh, my top 100 and uh, everything like that. 
And uh, obviously, a few articles I'll be writing about some of those players that I have on things like my All Underappreciated or All Emerging Team, uh, which I'll be publishing the, the teams themselves on Nuts and Bolts Sports, if not this week, and probably most likely next. And what else? Uh, you know, like you, watching players, going to see players, writing about players, and things like that is what this season is very much about. And I also want to be very cognizant of thanking uh, Rich Ridgeway for joining us, and I'll be very cognizant also of mentioning uh, that Trevor Sikama lost his grandfather uh, last night, and my thoughts and prayers go with that entire family. Uh, many of you may know him at Tampa Bay Trey, a uh, member of our our little band of brothers who do this very strange thing that we do, watching hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of college football players trying to figure out which ones will be really good professional football players. Some of us doing it uh, essentially based off, uh, I don't know, you know, grit, spit, uh, luck, whatever. <laughs> and then some of us trying to make use of as many or, or all the tools that are available to us. But either way, uh, I try to respect everybody who does this thing. None of us, with a few exceptions, are getting anything more than satisfaction from doing it. And all of us, I hope, will, you know, like I said, allow yourself to keep getting better and growing and making changes and all that as as you go forward. And I guess sort of the final thing, we all like to sort of sometimes be proprietary about a certain player or a certain prospect. We saw them first, we loved them first, or whatever it is we did first. Um you know, like I said, when I see people suddenly warming up to to Taylor Taylor, and I think, you know, where were you last year? You know, when I was trying to get more people to watch it. Uh, I mean, we all do that. We all have, you know, guys that we think was our guys. I guess, you know, always good to remind yourself, always good to get that wake up call that these are individuals, most of whom have been successful at multiple things in their lives, uh, because pure football talent will carry you. Might even carry you into the league. Might get you past the velvet ropes into a roster and everything like that. But from the moment someone makes a team, and I always try to remind, you know, any of the prospects of whom I speak, you, the fight is on. Um, there's going to be somebody coming along, probably before the season's out, probably another member of the practice squad coming for your your part, for your piece, you know, or somebody coming from wherever, and. Obviously, I care about quality football players playing quality football, and usually upperclassmen do the best job of that. So that's one of the many reasons that I tend to be lukewarm to sometimes just plain old unhappy um, with how some of those plays out. I understand. I'm not blaming the players particularly. Some people have interpreted it that way. I hope all the players involved get everything uh, that without violating some sort of rule or regulation they can receive. And once they are, you know, maybe they have officially completed their relationship or connection to the university's athletic departments, with the exception of, you know, Pro Day or whatever, uh, they should be able to, you know, basically do whatever it is that they're, you know, if they have a personal chef or whoever it is that helps them to do their food thing and their, you know. And, okay, this is the last thing, sort of a semi-mini rant. If you're a, an institution, particularly a state supported institution like a state school and 
a player who is, you know, a resident of the state and within the 50-mile radius rule regarding pro days or went to high school within 50 miles of the college campus, whatever it is. I know that essentially when you're the school that's hosting a pro day, that both the evaluators, the scouts, and GMs, whoever else comes uh, to your event are obviously your guests, but so are any of the players who are not, you know, players that attended. And a lot of pro days have begun saying, oh, we only allow our guys. You know, Northwestern pulled that uh, once, where we only, you know, Northwestern guys only, or whatever. And once again, I get that to some extent. You've, you've done all the groundwork and all of this and all of that, but I wish people would see the larger, you know, try to see the larger picture. If somebody doesn't see, you know, certain guys, because Kurt Warner doesn't get a chance to show certain things, whoever it is, if they don't get a chance to show certain things, there's definitely a miss on a lot of really super talented football players. And I just wish, like I said, if you're a not if you're a private school, you know, you're your own laws. If you don't want someone to work out at your pro day at your private school, fine. I have nothing to say about that. It's your school, do what you will. But the people who run the athletic department or any of the other departments, none of them own anything. It's the state sponsored, the the populace has paid whether through things direct things like tuition and things like that and fees, or indirectly through you know, once again, a variety of different things. If that person's child or that person's neighbor, that person's whatever, you know, who's been paying, you know, most of us paying all of our uh, our tax obligations, you shouldn't be able to turn away, as I said, somebody who's grown up in the area, you know, went to high school there, whatever it is, and now their their dream is to at least get a chance to be seen and evaluated by NFL players, and for a lot of, like I said, some of the smaller guys, some of the guys that come from school, but they don't, some of them don't even have a pro day, or the ones that do, they're having to share that facility, that experience with people who weren't their brothers for three, four, five years in some cases. So, okay, that's now climbed down off the hastily erected mini soapbox regarding uh, <laughs> things that I just don't, it's not like such a big deal. To just to deny people a chance to work out at your pro day. It's not like it's going to cost additional money. I don't know. What I take that. I'm done. I, I I hope it changes. I wish it would change. I don't know. It seems to me like it may have actually gotten worse as opposed to better. But that's where we are. So Jim, uh, once one last time, tell people to find and follow your work, sir. Uh, yeah. Sure, you can find my yeah. Oh. You can uh, <laughs> you can find my work at. Uh, at Geometrics, uh, also draftcoburn.wordpress.com. And, uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Yep. Uh, as I said, I have a couple of things that will coming out soon. Uh, Bill Carroll, bcarroll138 at yahoo.com. I'll tweet out links there and also on my original OG uh, Twitter account, uh, which is at 11bravo. That is the word, E-L-E-V-E-N-B-R-A-V-O, 138 on Twitter as well. And this is a, if you are sort of new to draft Twitter, as Jim sort of said, hey, come in. You're welcome. All are welcome here. Introduce yourself. Let people know, you know, what you're planning to do or what you want to know or how we can help. Really, for the most part, with a few curmudgeonly exceptions, for the most part, it's a very good, giving, 
caring, though somewhat contentious, like many of our, of our families and communities. And for the most part, though, we look out for each other, we help each other. The poor, and I said one last time uh, to Travers, sick and the sick of my family, you know, my thoughts and prayers go with you and all concerned regarding the loss of your loved one. Uh, once again, I thank you all for your time, your talents, and your attention. We'll do this show again in one week, and then um, tomorrow, of course, I'll be confirming before, hopefully very soon, uh, exactly who will be with us for the CDS Pro Prospects Radio Show. And once again, good night.